Hey guys, so we just got done recording two interviews with Sean David Morton. They were both incredible, but part two was so amazing. We decided we're going to pull a Star Wars and release the second one first. And the first one is going to be released a few days later on Rumble because we talked about some topics that go against, you know, YouTube community guidelines, all that nonsense. So enjoy part two first, and part one is just as amazing. We get into some predictions and some other things, gets a little more political, but it's still well worth your time, and I hope you enjoy. Hey guys, welcome back to part two with Sean David Morton. We're really excited to get into some of the interesting things he has to tell us about the basically the black programs and that whole secret world of the parallel space programs and everything involved, the real society and what the Germans were working with, what kind of technologies they were reverse engineering. Uh, but before we get into that, don't forget the conference is just around the corner and it's not too late to grab a ticket. And if you can't make it in person, the live stream passes are always available for $99. And all of the information for the conference is available and can be found at journeytotruthcon.com. That being said, welcome back to the show, Sean. <laughs> nice. Um, Thank you. It's been an honor and a pleasure to hang out with you guys, too, by the way. This is your exact oh, same. Exactly what's needed, you know. Oh, you know, blood, as they say. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, and same um, to you. Same to you, absolutely. Um, so we, we wrapped up the first part talking about um, your book that you had behind you. You've changed the background now, but yes, I'm very curious to know what you've discovered about the Vril Society and who they were channeling and how the Germans began developing that technology, and obviously your Santa Time book book series actually. You know, it goes hand in hand with that and uh, the technology that we're reverse engineering, including time travel technology, time machines, all of the above. So maybe you let's start with that um, real book and help our audience understand what you discovered. Okay, let me see. Okay, there you go. So there's the real one. This is the latest book in the series. 
Um, this came as a as a separate dossier with the uh, with the massive download of information I was given as far as all these diaries go, and um, um, you know it came with the it came with kind of a kicker on it. Do not publish, top secret, and I was like, ah, what the hell? <laughs> and uh, but it's a personal diary, true story, true document, absolutely true document. Really didn't change a word of uh, of Baron Wilhelm Fritz, as he called himself. Uh, uh, von, uh, von Ritter Spottenheim was his name. He was Baron in Austria at the time, <clears throat> who was part of the Air Force, uh, the German Air Force in uh, World War One. And uh, it takes you right inside the Third Reich. It takes you inside, uh, you know, Hitler and his personality, why he was obsessed with the occult. It was kind of strange because he declared all occult organizations like uh, were banned so that he got a hold of everything. Um, you know, his quest for the grail, the, the, the spear of Longinus, the, uh, you know, all the Indiana Jones stuff that you've heard about. And uh, uh, Rudolf Hess, who was really the, the, the brains behind this entire deal. And Adolf Hitler were supposedly arrested during the Bavarian beer hall riots. And they claim that they were in prison, which I don't think happened. I think they, uh, um, I think that uh, Hitler was actually quite possibly the illegitimate son of Baron Rothschild. And uh, his mother worked as a maid, actually, in the, in the Rothschild household. And uh, so uh, the story goes is that supposedly Hess and, uh, and Hitler were imprisoned. And I don't think that happened. I think what happened was is that they were taken into, uh, they pretended to be imprisoned for the effect, if you will. And they were taken into Baron von Rothschild's private apartment where he provided them with a typewriter, which was pretty advanced technology for the time. And uh, whereas Hitler kind of ran, ran it and raved, uh, Hess was the one that was his secretary that took this whole thing down, which then became the, uh, the book Mein Kampf. Now, Hitler and Hess, and this is important to the story. Hitler and Hess were actually the students of a kind of crazed German philosopher uh, uh, by the name of Dietrich Eckert. And Dietrich Eckert was the one that came up with the smoky gods, with the giants inside the earth, with the reptiles, with uh, uh, the master race, the uh, everything that you know of as, as, the, as the occult German uh, obsession was being done by Dietrich Eckert. Now, Eckert passed away, and this woman named Maria Orsic and her friend Sigrun and uh, uh, Heike, and uh, there were five women who actually came from Zagreb, and they were psychics who were all connected to what they called the female, the female power of the Vril Force, or the Void, or the Blackness, if you will, and um, they grew their hair fantastically long to where it was like down around their knees and their ankles. And they believed that their hair gave them certain psychic power, psychic, psychic abilities, like acted like psychic tendrils, if you will. And so the five of them would get together and they would channel together, but they would do this entirely naked. And uh, they take off their clothes and they do this entire ceremony. And Hitler was obsessed with them. Actually, he was, he was obsessed with Maria. And Maria became, was photographed with him in all the papers, became his kind of, uh, his main squeeze, so to speak. And uh, 
they were channeling the soul, they believed, of Dietrich Eckert. And Eckert was giving them all this information and was saying, you know, talk about the master race and the, the smoky gods and the giants who had gone into the earth and all the stuff that became the famous, uh, you know, Nazi occult philosophy. However, one time they were channeling and suddenly Eckert says, I must move on. I must go away. There's another force, another energy that wants to come in and speak to you. This other, this other energy uh, that came in uh, with a much different attitude and a different vibration, if you will, claimed that they were the Sumer, that they were actually a race called the Illigium, and that the Sumer had established the First Reich of Babylon, along with the Babylonian banking system, which was which was banned by the Bible, which was banned by Islam, which was banned by the Catholics. And the only people that continued it, oddly enough, were the Jews. And the Jews came up with kind of the same excuses as Islam. Whereas in Islam, if you were part of the brotherhood, uh, you couldn't do certain things to other members of the brotherhood. The Jews had the same philosophy. Out of the Talmud, they said, well, you can't loan money to interest or oppress or enslave um, other Jews. But as far as the goyim go, which is just a Hebrew word for cattle, uh, you can enslave them, you can oppress them, you can rape their women, you can do whatever you want. So they continued to loan money at interest, which did not make them popular. As a matter of fact, the, the Jews complained about hatred against the Jews and, and that it was everybody else's fault that they've gotten kicked out of 120 perfectly good countries. Sort of like if you knew a friend that had been kicked out of 120 bars. Mm -hmm. You think it would be your friend's fault for being a dick or, you know, would it be, you know, uh, uh, would it be the, the 120 bars that threw him out? Yeah. What's the so, common um, denominator, right? Yeah, exactly. Who would you know in it? So the, uh, the challenge here being is that then they started channeling the Sumerians and the Sumerians claimed to have been on the planet for 500 million years and that they had established uh, that every 23,000 years that they would establish a, a a genetic race of mankind that when they got here, uh, the planet was primarily inhabited by uh, intelligent saurians, reptilians, if you will. So they grabbed about 20,000 monkeys, uh, monkeys and apes went away, had genetically engineered these monkeys and apes into what we would call humanity and returned after a period of time and planted them on the planet because they made much better slaves and digging gold and silver and, and all the things that the, uh, uh, the Sumerians wanted. They primarily wanted hydrogen, water, uh, the DNA of human beings, and uh, copper. Copper was the big thing. Copper and gold. They were mad about the copper particularly. And also mercury because mercury could be used to power their ships and do different things with it. So um, – um, the Sumerians had established the First Reich of Babylon, the Second Reich of Rome, and now the Third Reich, they were going to use the Germans. Now, the, the, the five Verldamen who uh, were channeling this actually called it uh, Ramflugen, and the Ramflugen meant space flight, that, they, that their job was to help the Germans to build flying saucers, uh, UFOs, if you will. And that the Rumflugen was to allow them all to return to the Sumer home planet, which was Aldebaran. Now, Aldebaran is the is the red giant that is the eye of Taurus in the constellation of Taurus or the Hyades. And um, so 
Sigrund, who was the, the big brains behind this, um, begins kind of playing this dangerous game where she starts leading on the Germans and getting funding and getting financing for them and releasing information. Meanwhile, Maria, who again was Hitler's main squeeze, they called him Wolfie, oddly enough, uh, was kind of a psychic junkie. And uh, if anybody of you have ever done readings for people um, like I have, you, you know, you have people that are just calling every day. I'll tell me about this. I pull a card for this. Or, blah, 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 blah. And um, so it was Maria who started calling Sigrun saying, look, I need readings because Wolfie wants his reading. And, you know, he wants to know about this. He wants to know about that. And so. Um, so they use the so they use the Germans, specifically Hans Kammler, who was the Uber Grubenführer, Hans Kammler. Uh, everywhere outside of Berlin, he basically ran Europe. He had 14 million people enslaved under him at one period, one period or another. And of course, you had uh, 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 Baron Rittenheim, or Baron Fritz, as, as he called himself, uh, was also an airplane engineer. And um, in essence, you had the Vrildamen really tricking the uh, uh, the Nazis because they were giving them enough technology to be able to do some pretty amazing things but not the stuff to accomplish the things that they wanted. So they kept that for themselves. But I have photos, not only of the Vrildamen as well, uh, but photos of, of, of Dietrich, photos of a uh, what they called uh, Section X or 10, which was a BMW Messerschmitt factory that was working on flying saucers. And you see like three of them in a bay. And um, after the war, Mercedes-Benz and BMW uh, which, by the way, the symbols for both of those uh, both of those companies are are propellers. I mean, you actually see on the front of a BMW or a Mercedes, you see a propeller. And they were not allowed to build aircraft because they were building Messerschmitts, which were amazing planes, and were kicking our ass everywhere they were. And uh, uh, so they were only allowed to build cars after the war and not aircraft. <clears throat> so, um, in essence, uh, what what the built what the book entirely builds up to is not only the occult phenomenon and not only many of these ceremonies and the personal diary of Baron uh Baron Spottenheim and his romantic relationship with Sigrun, who claimed that she was from Aldebaran and that she had uh, uh memories of all of her past lives, and that this was why she was helping uh the Elegium or the Aldebaranians or what have you. And uh they built uh seven ships. And they took all their people, about 1,100 of them, various scientists and whatever else, and um, they went home at the, at the end of the war. Matter of fact, everything stops with notes and telegrams that they sent out to all of their people, which said, um, no one is staying here. We are all going home. And they were all dated to, be, to meet at a particular central place on uh, March 11th of 1945. And after that, they disappeared. They just simply vanished. Now, they left a bunch of people uh, like Wilhelm Otto Schulman, who is famous for the Schulman residence or actually discovering the, uh, the vibratory frequency of the planet. And um, uh, a lot of them just got stuck and, and stayed here. Now, they they tricked the Germans into thinking that they were going to have this super technology. And because of that, uh, Hitler invaded Poland and started the war with Russia too early. and um, the Japanese went nuts and, of course, attacked Pearl Harbor in 1941 when everybody everybody in Germany wanted to wait because once they defeated the Germans, they could then uh, you know, defend themselves and basically start their big war. But because the, the, the Japanese came in, because FDR was obsessed with entering the war, he actually had a, a, a British agent uh, 
in the White House, uh, which was a man called Intrepid, was his code name. There's a book about it, and I think even a movie, uh, where all he wanted to do was enter the war. He actually was uh, order, ordering Admiral Nimitz to attack German shipping and German U-boats, and Hitler gave a direct order that anybody that engaged American shipping or anybody with the Americans would be shot immediately. So, because um, uh, he did not want the Americans to enter the war, because he knew when they did, they they probably lose. So, um, anyway, and this all leads to uh, Baron Spottenheim actually actually claiming that he saw uh, Hitler dead. Uh, that there that in the last books, I'm going to reveal these all these twists about time travel and whatever else about uh, how we supposedly went back and we uh, uh, we killed Hitler like three times. And each time that Hitler was out of the way, uh, the German high command supposedly won the war and we had to go back and supposedly put history to the way it was. But um, so all these are going to reveal be revealed in the in the books. And, and this is what's been revealed in the real Diamond Diaries. Anybody that's got an interest in the true history of the 20th century, uh, the true history of World War II, the occult history from the of the Nazis from the inside. Uh, will be fascinated by this book. The other thing is, too, is that I, I purposely, the book's very thick, but I purposely printed it with a blown up type so it makes it super easy to read so that you know, when, when people get it, you'll notice that the, the print is all about 12 points. I like uh, that. Double spaced so that, you know, you feel like you're reading a big, thick book, but, it, you know, it just flies by. Because well, it's, it's easier uh, to it's easier to digest, especially yeah. when it's um, when it's very uh, a lot of information, heavy information. I feel like it's easier to retain. Um, so yes. as far as you're concerned, when did the Germans actually go to the moon and Mars? Um, because there's a lot of evidence, I guess you could say, that they were there in the 30s and 40s already, maybe 50s. Okay, well, it's it's kind of interesting because everything kind of comes together into um, kind of a cooperative effort. And uh, so let me give you what I know. What I know about this, excuse me a second, I got a lot of allergies here because the uh we've had rain <laughs> and it's just the flowers are going crazy excuse me <coughs> um okay after the war everybody's heard of of uh there were two main things that were going on uh one was called the odessa file which is where the vatican was uh was allowing kind of the top nazi bad guys to uh uh allow them to get uh, Vatican-issued diplomatic passports mm -hmm. and were actually taking them through Odessa. And the Odessa file was all about the Nazi rat line and how they were taking all the Nazi rats, even, even the ones that were too bad for the Americans to take on, and processing them through this. And some actually say that either Hitler or one of his doubles uh, actually became a Catholic priest by the name of Father Crespi. And uh, that Crespi eventually retired to uh, Cuenca, Ecuador, and uh, I knew people that knew him and actually have been to his school there. And uh, a woman named Magda Stapleford, who identified him as Hitler uh, um, because of the way he walked and because of paintings that he had. And he was in possession of something like 4,000 uh, paintings that the uh, the Nazis had all looted uh, out of Bavaria and out of the Louvre and whatever else. But that was, you know, that was one of the stories of supposedly the various uh, the various uh, doubles of which there were nine that they made. I think only six of them survived. No, four of them survived. And there were stories about one went to Patagonia. So you have all these multiple stories of Hitler. One went to Patagonia. Uh, another one went through the Nazi rat line. 
And of course, our version of the Nazi rat line here was called Project Paperclip. So with Project Paperclip, we didn't say to the Germans, oh, the Nazis are bad. Fascism is bad. Oh, that's terrible. We have to stamp it out forever. No, we didn't do any such thing. We said, wow, show us how to do that here. Hmm. So we transported it. You know, one of the reasons why they call them all fascists, I guess. But we were we transported the entire uh, Nazi military industrial pharmaceutical complex uh, to the United States, even the entertainment complex as well, because you had people like Lena Rufenstahl, uh, you had neurolinguistic programming, you had MK Ultra, uh, you know, mind control, uh, uh, the way we operate movies today, which is all kind of an NLP thing, the way shots are set up, you study it if you're if you're going to be directing movies or directing TV. Uh, because you know television is the retina of the mind's eye and so we transported the entire military industrial pharmaceutical entertainment complex to america when i was a kid um i grew up with all the astronauts with the gemini mercury apollo uh astronauts and uh my dad was the vice president of trw and trw uh before it was bought by northrop grumman uh Matter of fact, the, the, uh, the giant hangar bays on uh, 33rd and Apollo, uh, right across from the main TRW complex, uh, they built the they built the the lunar module, they built the Saturn V, they built the Titans, uh, and was later turned into Marvel Studios, where they actually shot Iron Man, they shot Captain America, uh, they used to shoot Alan McBeal there, and all kinds of crazy stuff. So. Um, and I knew these German scientists. We would have them over for dinner. And these guys were Nazis. I mean, they had the leather coats and the SS bolts on their collar. And, you know, Zafio is a hell of a dancer, young man, and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, I personally witnessed these people who had now been taken and uh, uh, their backgrounds covered up. They're, the one thing was that they they didn't want them to have anything to do with the slave camps or, you know, Kammler's enslavement of the Jews. You know, those were bad Nazis uh, that they kind of handed over to the Nuremberg guys. Uh, the rest of them came here. So um, that was interesting. Now, the story goes that uh, they teamed up basically with the National Security Agency and that their version of the UFO technology that we actually landed on the moon in January of 1953 with the help of these German scientists in the secret space program. Now, you had a divergence of this program. One was rockets and the other one was field technology. Uh, Kennedy was striding both of those because apparently he knew about them, knew about the UFO program, knew about the rocket program, and he was kind of in the position to decide in the 60s which way it was going to go to get them to the moon the fastest. Now, when NSA landed on the moon in January 53, uh, this is what then triggered the first contact, I guess, if you say in Star Trek terminology. And uh, in February of 1953, Eisenhower was out in Palm Springs, supposedly playing golf. And these craft landed at Edwards Air Force Base, which was the back then called the it was called Murak back then. And it was not friendly. I mean, they shot down. I mean, we set up all kinds of stuff. They shot down missiles. They shot down jets. Uh, they landed and they said, bring your leader here. You either bring him here or we're going to go get him. And they grabbed Eisenhower. And uh, uh, supposedly claiming he went to the dentist that day, which is a whole day in his life that disappears. Hmm. They actually have uh, uh, Archbishop uh, Bernard Light, I think, is one of the guys. They have a whole series of witnesses who have said that they've that laid claim to this. 
And uh, these they called them the tall whites. That's that's all they said. And they had these boxes on their belts where they could twist a knob on the box and they could appear and disappear. So they wound up calling the uh, they wound up calling them the Ethereans because they could appear and disappear. And the, they demonstrated the ships, which apparently made these scientists we had their vomit because they couldn't understand the physics of any of it. And they basically gave Eisenhower a warning. And they basically said, look, you've got this technology and you're landing on the moon. Uh, we'll give you that. But as far as you go, you're uh, you're isolated. You're not to leave this planet. You're not to go and infect other planets in the solar system. Apparently, there's a lot more life letting it letting on. And uh, it became known as the as the as the isolation protocol or the isolation memorandum, which is actually what. Uh, Book three. There we go. Uh, Forty years in the shadow government. This this uh, was taken from the roof at S two, and the thing you see in the middle there mm -hmm. it looks like a TR three B, or I yeah, think you call yeah, it the Viper. Exactly, it's a Viper or a Reaper. Also, also is what it's known as. Matter of fact, we're way beyond the TR three Bs. We're up to the uh, we're up to something like TR eleven now. So everything you see, this triangular that looks like this, that's us. Uh, the disc stuff, not so much because it's very difficult. They use the disc stuff to uh, either travel or um, uh, do reconnaissance because you can't put missiles on them. You, you, you can't really put a gun on it because there's a field technology that goes around it and has to be 360 degrees. So it's very difficult to hang a gun off of. So um, uh, they warned us. They said, uh, you're not to leave this planet, number one. Uh, you're not to infect these other, these other worlds. And that there's basically a fence that's been put up around Earth. And it got put up around Earth apparently thousands of years ago. Uh, this is all, you can read all about it in, the, uh, in some apocryphal books of the Bible. Uh, the biggest one being the Book of Enoch. And the Book of Enoch we discovered in uh, 1777 when we got a hold of an Ethiopian Bible, oddly enough, which actually has a bunch of extra books in it. Uh, the Christian Bible has 66 books. The Catholic Bible actually has uh, 77 books. And the Ethiopian Bible had 88 books, which included the Book of Enoch, the Book of Jaffer, uh, the Book of First and Second Maccabees, uh, more Solomon books. I mean, it's a big, I, I had the original uh, a copy of the original, what was called the Geneva Bible. And the uh, uh, matter of fact, the King James version of the Bible was initiated by King James to keep people from reading and studying the, uh, the Geneva Bible because the Geneva Bible was very anti-monarchy. Uh, it went very much along the, along the road of Samuel where the Israelites wanted a king. And Samuel goes on for chapter and verse saying, you don't want a king, kings are bad. The minute you have a king, you're going to be tied to his karma. They start wars. They start a bureaucracy. It's all the stuff you don't want. Mm -hmm. And they said, no, 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 we want a king anyway. So Samuel said, fine, you want a king? Here you go. Here's Saul. And, uh, you know, see how you like this. And, of course, Saul got him in a bunch of wars. And then Saul eventually went crazy. And, uh, you know, eventually King David became king. You know, all kinds of crazy stuff. So it did not end well for the Israelites because the kings actually started civil wars. and. Uh, was not a good thing so um uh oh by the way i'm not sure if you guys saw this but did you see it king charles's con uh, uh, coronation did you see the video that's up online of this, this grim, reaper? grim reaper that walks across yeah I, yeah i saw that there's a lot of weird 
weird anomalies in that footage uh, if you really observe it and analyze it. I mean, who knows what's actually going on? There's a double meaning for everything. But I did see the Grim Reaper guy, yeah. yeah. I turned this phone off, so... Um, what was it? There was like footage of they all had these like shocked looks on their faces as they saw something shocking, but then they didn't. Sh- yeah, know what it actually was like, we just see their reaction to it. Well, yeah, like they were they were out up. there that has an entire theory, and it's very interesting because that's with a unicorn, and the unicorn has an eye on it, and, and uh, uh, that Charles is the Antichrist. Uh, I think if Charles is the Antichrist, we might not have a lot to worry about because he seems a little slow to me. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. But it's like Princess Diana claiming, you know, they're not human. Uh, they're all reptilians. Uh, you know, she made a lot of crazy, outrageous statements. And uh, by the way, Diana, Charles had really nothing to do with Diana's death. It was it was ordered directly by Prince Philip. And uh, uh, Philip was one that ordered it because uh, Henri Paul, who was the driver, was a spy for MI6. And uh, apparently Diana and Dodi Fayette had just come from the doctor. Uh, she was pregnant with Dodi Fayette's kid. Then they went to a jeweler. He proposed marriage. Uh, she accepted, got a big diamond ring out of it. And uh, uh, Prince Philip said his exact quote was, no bloody wog is going to be the uh, stepfather of the future king of England. So oh, there's another funny one there. Uh, it actually had Prince Harry. Uh, it was a it was a meme, but he's walking around the sign saying, not my dad. I, right. I thought, thought that was hilarious because his real father was. Uh, so. Diana's writing, writing instructor. And, uh, so, you know. so going back to the Germans make getting to the moon and Mars, or we talked okay, about the so, U.S. or landing in 1953, but there's a lot of information out there that suggests that they were there much earlier. The Germans um, on the backside of the moon, and even potentially Mars. Okay, so all right, here's the rest of what I know. So we know that the we know that the Germans. Uh, were obsessed with Antarctica because once again Dietrich Eckert was telling them that you could enter into uh, the inner earth and meet the smoky giants that you could get there through Antarctica, uh, you know, holes in the center of the earth. You could get there through Norway, get there through, you know, a whole bunch of different places. And uh, uh, as far as the moon goes, okay. So I was friends with a Pleiadian contactee and uh, for later episodes, I'll prepare it. We'll we'll get a bunch of, uh, we'll get a bunch of photographs. Maybe I could, I could probably, it would take me a second to draw it up here. But um, uh, this Pleiadian contact that after the war that the Germans began moving into space and when they moved into space, they were, I don't know if you could say met or stopped by the Pleiadians or the Alliance or whatever you want to call them. And uh, that they kind of teamed up with the Germans and they, they did away with the Germans kind of Nazi philosophy. And they teamed up and they put together bases in Brazil in a place called the Matt Moros plane. And I have photographs of this guy standing in front of a bunch of these ships, you know, and the ships are, you know, they're hundred meters across, they're 300 feet across. And he's sitting there waving at you. And you see, you see three of these craft, four of them actually landing on these gigantic platforms. And uh, one of the ships he, he claimed was actually built by BMW Messerschmitt. And that they had these gigantic factories in Brazil, and that the plan was that the Third Reich was going to continue as the Fourth Reich, which is why they had to have the illusion of Hitler still being alive, even though he may or may not be dead at that time. 
And uh, Stalin thought he was still alive and escaped. And there's a, a whole body of evidence that he was. The question then becomes, which one was he? And was it, you know, the four doubles that escaped? Because by, by the end of 1943, the Germans realized they'd lost the war. Uh, the rail system was completely gone. had been bombed out of existence. They had complete superiority over the skies. Uh, Hitler gone completely mad from syphilis or, you know, from whatever it is he had. Uh, but they needed him as the figurehead. And uh, their factories, BMW, Messerschmitt, whatever, all their factories were 10 times bigger in Brazil. And uh, South America, the Germans always had great relations with the, with the South Americans because when they said they would do something, uh, they did. And uh, it's sort of like what's happening in Africa with the Chinese. Uh, when they said they build a bridge or a road, the Chinese do it. They're building factories, they're building bridges, roads. And unfortunately, you know, the United States basically just does donuts on your lawn, busts in your house, kicks your dog, rapes your daughter, and takes a shit on your pillow. And, uh, you know, and they don't leave any place better. The Chinese have left things better. The, uh, the, the, uh, the British left things better. And uh, the United States has not done that. We just we just like killing people. So um, so the theory was from this from this contactee who had physical evidence of being there uh, that the Germans, together with the Palladians or whomever else, uh, began to move out into space and, uh, you know, form these these bases. Now, not only is there a base on the dark side of the moon and not only do we have photos, all kinds of photos of it, but um uh, there seems to be a lake of some kind on the backside of the moon. I think it's called in the in the Tesseroslavsky crater. Yes, Shalou. Okay, he wants to he wants to be in the interview. Hmm. And um, um, George Adamski, who you may or may not know who that is. Yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. oh yeah. Uh, but but George was the uh, he lived he lived down here in Palomar. Uh, ran a hot dog stand at the bottom of the hill. You know, people think he worked at Palomar. Well, he lived in Palomar and he ran a hot dog stand at the bottom of the hill. And um, uh, he went out to uh, uh, a place called Desert Center, and I've taken a couple of people out there because if you go exactly 10.2 miles from Desert from Desert Center along Highway 10, uh, you go out to where Adamski had his first contact with uh, with Orthon, <clears throat> and his best friend was uh, uh, was Baron uh, or Duke, I think it is uh, Desmond Leslie, and I'm super good friends with his daughter, uh, Lady Antonia Leslie, who's amazing. And uh, she actually has the, uh, the 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 plaster cast molds of the footprints of Orthon, but this began and and of course uh, Adamski met with Kennedy. He met with the Pope. Uh, he had best eight millimeter video footage. He took photograph after photograph, and his ba his best buddy was a guy named uh, George Hunt Williamson, who uh, uh, later went on to write books, uh, Secrets of the Andes and Secrets of Tibet, uh, as a, a, under a nom de guerre or nom de plume. Uh, uh, called Brother Philip. So if you get a chance to get those books, they're really cool. And, uh, you know, he talks about the ancient history of the Andes and, and uh, you know, Atlantis and Lemuria and whatever else. So supposedly that's the story. The story is they managed to set up all these bases on the moon. Um, along with us, by the way, I mean, under General Arthur Trudeau and uh, what he called Project Horizon, uh, Project Horizon put a military base on the moon probably by... 1966, I think. And here, let me tell you the rest of what the Ethereans told Eisenhower. They basically said, you're banned from going off this planet. There's a shield that's been put in place thousands of years ago to protect you, both dimensionally and interdimensionally, 
from beings that want to invade this planet and use your copper and use your DNA and use your your gold and, and your, your mercury and whatever else. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> and um, uh, you're going to be met by some other beings that are not as nice as us and uh, being the greys. And we're warning you that they've gone through planet after planet after planet, pretending to just be researchers, pretending to just be visitors. You don't want to mess with these guys. And uh, Eisenhower is like, and, and we want you to give up your nuclear weapons. And Eisenhower thought, well, if these ETs are afraid of nuclear weapons, then we want nuclear weapons. And we want to be able to defend ourselves against whomever this is with nuclear weapons. Well, lo and behold, as the Ethereans told him in November of 53, uh, there was another meeting with Eisenhower, and this time it was the Greys. This time the Greys said, well, tell you what, we'll trade you technology, which was basically total crap technology, I might add. It was, it was literally like a deal where trading brushes and mirrors and, and, uh, and beads for Manhattan Island, as an example. It was a bad deal all the way around. Well, I heard that they traded technology that we wouldn't know how to use. It, it was sophisticated and advanced, but we we don't understand how to use it because um, we don't have their advanced technology, obviously, and their understanding of physics and all that. Right. So, right, and everything. By the way, okay, here we go. You want, you want to know why? It was powered by a very arcane power source that we don't have access to. Exactly. So let's link Bob Lazar into this. Bob Lazar comes out with his science lecture in 92 and explains that these craft are actually powered by something called Element 115, which you guys know all about, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, yes? Yep. So, yes. With element one, so with Element 115, the problem is you can't get it here. Element 115 comes from uh, planets that are either have binary or trinary stars. So, and by the way, in 1992... Bob Lazar gave the science lecture every single thing he said in that science lecture. For the years I've been defending Bob Lazar, uh, for the years I've said that this guy is legit, for the years I've said, even though he's, you know, he's, he's mocked me and said all kinds of bad things about me. But here's the challenge. When we first interviewed him in January of 1990, uh, I then read his book, which is just lies. It's, 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 a bunch of stuff that he told us. Uh, he 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 paints this picture in his book of something like, oh well, you know, I wasn't beaten up and I quit the program because they they give me access because you know his wife was having an affair or something. But a bunch of stuff he told me about his interaction with the ETs, him seeing the ETs, um, he doesn't cop to for whatever reason. And uh, I think probably because they scared him because he he had to. Uh, uh, they they prosecuted him for just setting up cameras in the parking lot of a legal brothel up in Nye County. And he had to do something like 60 hours of community service, <laughs> literally uh, teaching science, I think, at a local high school. And uh, uh, so that might have shut him up. Now I think he lives in Michigan somewhere and he works on rocket cars. But um, everything he told us about element 115, that all of the radical atomic elements all mysteriously are just wild and crazy and zipping all around. And they stabilize in the element 114 and 115 range. But then you plug an extra proton into it, and it becomes element 116, which is antimatter. And then through this conical-shaped engine, you then take the antimatter and you, you hit a target gas, 
and it uh, uh, it annihilates 96%. Now, to give you an idea, an atomic or hydrogen bomb will annihilate maybe 6%, maybe 8% to get that kind of explosion. And this powers the three uh, gravity amplifiers underneath the ship so that when the ship is actually floating, it's in Omicron mode because it just has one thing on. And then when it does kind of turn sideways, turns all three things on and will then bend space, actually create a, a wormhole, if you will, and bend space. And then you turn it off and it just goes boop, and it pops over to where you want it to go. Now, we saw this at Area 51. I mean, we filmed it. We videotaped it of uh, these ships that were jumping around, having a gay old time. And then they would jump all the way across the sky within uh, on, on the camera. It was within a 20th of a second. Excuse me. <clears throat> Total mess here. Uh, within about, yeah, uh, within about a 20th of a second, you'd, you'd see these. So uh, we have discovered now that that's not true, that we don't need element 115, that we don't need a tool a certain way. So they, the aliens wanted to establish a trade saying, okay, you want the stuff, you want the technology, you can trade us for it. That then led to the famous, and John Lear came out with this, the famous Sigma Treaty in 1964, where now what they wanted is they wanted underground bases. They wanted places they could function. They wanted places where when they abducted human beings for DNA, which we were perfectly fine with, because they said, well, uh, no harm, no foul. We'll pick them up. We'll wipe your little monkey brains. Uh, and they won't have any uh, they won't have any knowledge of it. And uh, and of course, what happens is the people started freaking out. They start having, you know, subconscious terrors. Uh, but they were they wanted or they wanted hydrogen. They wanted copper. They wanted mercury and they wanted human DNA. And they wanted to be able to they wanted to be able to genetically engineer uh, a hybrid species. That and let me leave something really heavy on you. If you cut through everything that I'm talking about, if you cut through everything that all of us are interested in, the most powerful thing in this universe is the human soul. The human soul. It's the nuclear reactor. It's it's the cobalt hydrogen bomb of the universe. The human soul is so powerful because in this universe we're given the we're given the power with God to be able to co-create reality, to be able to bend time and space if, if we want to. And they're obsessed with that. They're obsessed with finding a hybrid between themselves and human beings to be able to, for themselves, capture the human soul and exist in this plane, if you will. And over the course of time of all the abductees that I've interviewed, um, and they're on the ships, you know, a woman who is actually being used as kind of a broodmare uh, Alice Haggerty for these ETs uh, said that these the 50-50 kids, the problem is, is that the more human you made them, uh, they would die because they wouldn't get human contact. And without human contact and human love, they would just waste away. But if you brought it under 50% of this to the alien side, they couldn't contain, I guess, what you would call the human soul. So um, even to the point of the Pleiadians, uh, in many of these underground bases, they had these beautiful kind of supermodel girls uh, that were clones that did not have souls. They were just, you know, the perfect slaves. Uh, I think all they did was bring a beer and make sandwiches, I think. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it kind of sounds like the girls William Tompkins referred to, it, uh, like TRW. And, uh, yeah, uh, it does. 
he, he explained them to be he what he thought either nordic or pleiadian ets but uh maybe they were clones maybe they were engineered or hybrids um yeah a bunch of those around so they gave them places like uh like dulce as an example the reason i talk about dulce is because um i just saw a thing on uh, uh miles at the the basis project i guess um but I have physical proof. I'm, I'm at, at some point on some show somewhere. I was actually saving. And let me tell you an interesting Tucker Carlson story. Literally three weeks ago, I was on the phone with Justin Wells with uh, on a Wednesday, and he's the producer of all things Tucker. And I'm a big fan. And I said, look, I have actual film footage of not only inside the Dulce base, but an actual ultrasound that we did of this base, which will show you. The base, the floors, uh, the atomic power core at the center, uh, hyperloop tubes that connect it to other bases, whatever else. And I'm willing, and it's right dead center in the middle of where all the catamulation phenomenon happened. And they just got finished doing this whole special on Fox Nation or Fox Now or whatever it's called uh, on the catamulations. And he said, done, you're going to come on the show. You're going to show that footage. And this was on a Wednesday. And he said, you know, expect to hear from us within the next two weeks. <laughs> and that Monday, Tucker Carlson worked in, walked into work. And they said, everybody works at Fox, raise your hand. And Tucker went like this. And he said, not so fast, Tucker. And they fired him. Now, is it coincidence? I don't know. But I've gotten a lot of shows kicked off the air. Uh, we had a show with Geraldo called Now It Can Be Told. We got kicked off the air. I was with Hard Copy, the number two biggest show in syndication. And... Uh, the president of the network came down and said, you can't have these guys doing this stuff. You're done. I want movie star shows. I want a show about nothing. And they right. replaced us with Inside Edition, which was a show about nothing. So, uh, you know, what Jennifer Aniston's hair was doing that day. Well, you, um, can, uh, you can release that footage here if you'd like. <laughs> and, I'll, and see then, I, I'll, I'll see what I can right. do. But, uh, you know, the cool thing about this is, is that I was, you know, I did the first original shows on the Sci-Fi Channel. Uh, I did the first original show uh, called Strange Universe. Uh, which launched UPN at the same time all the Star Trek stuff was going on. I was friends with Roddenberry for a long time. I got to hang out at, you know, hang out on the set of Voyager, Deep Space Nine, all these different things. I actually got to pitch. <laughs> this sucks. Uh, Ronald Moore and Brandon Braga. I pitched for, uh, uh, after Gina died, I pitched for Star Trek Next Generation. And they shot down every single one of my, one of my ideas. And then I saw four episodes of Star Trek Next Generation, which were based on my ideas. Of course, uh, including them splitting, uh, splitting Riker in half, including uh, uh, Wesley getting in trouble at the Academy, uh, including this little space whale that attaches itself to the Enterprise. Those were all my ideas that I pitched them that they just stole. So uh, I can actually say I've really uh, four episodes of Star Trek Next Generation that became, you know, one of the big episodes. So, um, wow. there we go. I'm trying to get back into it now. So we'll see what happens. OK, so. As far as this technology goes, yes. obviously, you know, in the early days, they had to figure out how to, like, unlocking gravity, I guess, is the key, right? Because once you figure out, understand gravity, then uh, the, the physics of everything changes, and you don't have to worry about the weight of an object anymore. And then I, I want to talk about that, and then where the time, I guess, time travel and quantum technology comes in and how that plays, like, I guess the UFO would be equipped with some sort of time dilation tech that would allow it to make that jump, right? Okay, the reason I put this up here, see this, this equation? Yeah. That equation is the unified field theory. 
That's it. That supposedly Einstein figured this out in his office at Princeton University. And he used to do a thing with a spoon where he would take the spoon and Einstein would sit, would sit there. It was very much like, uh, like Benjamin Franklin did with, he had a little bell. And what Einstein would do is he would sit at his desk and he'd kind of focus on the spoon. And then he would kind of fade off to sleep. And when the spoon dropped, he would wake up. And when he was in that sort of trans twilight state, he would write down equations and he would have new ideas. So at the very end of his life, he had board after board after board was him, was him trying to figure out the unified field theory and how, it, how mass and energy and everything linked together. And supposedly he had his little spoon and he dropped his spoon and he came up and he wrote this equation on a notepad. And the minute he saw it, he saw the face of God and he fell over dead. And the rumor goes that they took this notepad out from underneath his head. And this equation that you see that I put on the front cover of all the books, I have a copyright on it. Uh, I had a patent on it. Uh, I was trying to approach somebody like Elon Musk uh, because what you can do with this is that you can use it uh, for instantaneous communication. Uh, now the government has it. They call it G phones or gravity phones where it's like a Dick Tracy watch. It's like a smart watch. But I can talk to somebody at the other side of the universe if I want to. And, and of course, or I could with an Xbox uh, controller, I can control a, a, a probe looking at Pluto as an example. And this is how we communicate with all of our bases. We have you know lunar bases on the North Pole uh, of the moon, which is called Cape Malabar Radio. I have no idea why it's called that. Uh, we have what's called Farpoint Station. Uh, which is just the other side of uh, of Pluto, like in Star Trek, oddly enough. Uh, but this is how we communicate with all our bases uh, now uh, all across the solar system, because after the Isomer protocol, we basically punched the ETs on the nose and said, you know, you're not going to keep us on this planet anymore and allowed us to expand out into the solar system. So when, so I, was out, when I was out at Area 51, let me see, I want to make your point. Yeah, sure. When I was out at Area 51 and I was doing the stuff for Geraldo, I kept saying, look, I don't care if they have little green men out there. I don't care what happens, but they have the secret to gravity. And the minute you under understand, here's, here's the big thing. The minute you understand what gravity is, not what it does, because we have all kinds of Newtonian physics for what gravity does. You know, apple falls from the tree, et cetera, et cetera. The moon is actually falling around the earth. The minute you have an, an equation like that for what gravity does, that's game over. Now you have control over time. You have control over space. You have control over being to instantaneously uh, teleport from one point to another. And you have to understand that that's what brought us to the attention of the alliance or the watchers or whatever else. Because when you can teleport any place, uh, that's the most powerful weapon in the universe. I could, I could jump. I could put an atomic bomb on uh, Xi Jinping's desk. Uh, you know, I could hide under the desk with Vladimir Putin if I wanted, you know, anywhere. And the group that took over, uh, this is Ted Humphrey or Dr. Ted Humphrey. And I guess what you would call his, uh, the Maryland Research Center, which is what it is now. But his group uh, basically swore that they were not going to use this for war here on this planet because it, make, it makes anybody who has it invincible and it's what we use to basically destroy the Illigen or the Sumerians, as you want. Uh, what we basically use to defeat the Alpha Draconians, uh, both the inner Earth Alpha Draconians and the, and the, we'll talk about that in a second, 
and of course the the, the beings from Alpha Draconis, because once we'd taken out the Sumerians or the Illigen, now they saw an opportunity to basically come and, and you know kick ass on the earth. Which is, by the way, you want to read about that battle? It's all in the Book of Revelation, because in Revelation it talks about the Archangel Michael being the Pleiadians and the Alliance and whatever else, uh, the Arcturians. Uh, so we have. We we have extensive bases and breakaway civilizations throughout our solar system. We do now, yes. We do now. But yes. The scary part is, is that we gave these 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 boogers, these these boogies, you know, the gray aliens. Uh, we gave them access to these underground bases, little knowing that we also, I, I guess you call it the council, let's just call it the Illuminati. Um, there's bases for the for the 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 dark vril reptilians underneath the underground military bases that we built. And this is where the story gets frightening. Because when you talk about the vril force, which is the force, you know, I mean, this is the way, you know, may the force be with you and whatever else. And it's their way of saying that there's a that there's an invisible sun, a black sun. And this black sun. Uh, 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 that's that's with the symbol, by the way, the symbol on the on the cover of the book. Yeah, the black sun. Yep. Yeah, a lot, yeah. Of, people, a lot of people have a problem with that symbol. Well, what you're seeing is it, it's the symbol of the invisible sun, which is the light year across black hole at the center of the galaxy, and those prongs, I guess, coming out of it, along with the vril with the with the purple and the black in the center, that's the vril lightning bolt, and. That's in the center of the black. Now, by the way, I put this on the cover of the book some months ago, and just recently, there's a crop circle. Have you seen the crop circle of this? I think I have. Yeah, no. I mean, I can I can find it, but it's actually it's pictured in the book at the end, saying who did this and why, and why would they put this up, and the uh, um, but the black sun that symbol. I don't know people have problems with it, but it's because it's basically a Mayan symbol. But then you know the swastika is a Buddhist symbol that's been around for you know for right. It's, right. It's just a. Go ahead, Aaron. They're just esoteric symbols that, that it's not good or bad. It just right. got like the swastika got used by a very bad group and it gets the bad rap, but it's not a good or bad symbol. It's, just, it's very well, you ancient. Every, you go to every temple in India, the Buddha's got the swastika on his chest. Right. 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 It represents the four arms of the galaxy. People, exactly. I mean, the symbol's exactly. been, you know, they've been hijacked or we just have a strong misunderstanding of things. Of, of history all right well here's guys here's where it gets creepy and i just got finished writing this because i you know when i was finishing up the there's two books left in the series maybe three and i i just got finished editing the sumerian war and i'm probably halfway through the, the alpha draconian war and uh our guy ted humphrey uh needs a strategy to use against the aldebaranians or the you know the babylonians the sumer so um what I learn is that we have diplomatic relations with a race of reptilians that I guess you could say are wise or positive or gentle, but there's a good ones and the bad ones. Uh, I was told this when I was in Nepal as well. And uh, uh, the Tibetans claim that they've had uh, positive interactions with the, with the positive reptilians who are apparently vegetarian and uh, you know, wise and gentle and, and are still worshiped in some societies like Mesoamerica and Tibet and certain areas of China. Um, the dark vril, or should I say the dark reptilians, uh, they eat human flesh. 
and they love human flesh, basically dipped in fear uh, for the adrenochromes, if you will. And what's happened now is that they are, they've been contacted and uh, alliances have been made uh, with the Illuminati. So, for example, if you look at all the wealth on this planet, whether it's oil, whether it's gold, whether it's copper, whether it's diamonds, whether it's jewels, all comes from underground. And, of course, the dark reptilians, the dark vril, have access to all of this stuff. So let me explain to you what they do. They will grab human beings. And, uh, and in many cases, the Illuminati think it's an honor to offer up one of their own children to the vril reptilians. And they have a, like a proboscis. You know, all the reptilians have, have a bite that has venom in it. Uh, it's overkill for a human being because you know one bite kills a human being. A couple of bites will kill a cow, as an example. So what they do is that they they will usually they'll take prisoners, they'll take mental patients, they'll take uh, or the the sons and daughters of these Illuminati guys. Uh, they have a big ceremony, and these reptilians come out, and they there's a proboscis in the middle of their forehead, and they squirt it on the intended victim, if you will. And once this liquid gets into your eyes or up your nose or whatever, um, the dark real reptilians, uh, people forget that they have a brain that's approximately the size of ours, the size of ours, very much like dolphins. Whereas dolphins have a brain that's larger than ours, and they've been using their brains for about 60 mil, 65 million years longer than we have. And the reptilians are the same. So the big bifurcation occurred in the last war with the with the sumer where um and the war is taking place actually in uh, on a planet they called astra at the time which they broke apart to turn into the uh, the asteroid belt they then used that as a cheap weapon because they could then guide these asteroids uh towards mars and then towards earth and of course the one big asteroid that hit on earth was the gulf of mexico uh which then led to uh much of the destruction of the planet but that wasn't enough. They had a plasma beam weapon that they fired at Mars first, and it created a gigantic feature on Mars. This is a plasma beam weapon, by the way, that created what was called the uh, uh, the Valles Marinas, which is a, a canyon that's over 3,000 miles long and seven miles deep. It is smaller, but it's an exact replica of the Grand Canyon in the United States, which was not formed by the Colorado River. It was formed by a plasma weapon. And uh, I think because, Chaco Canyon was too. Uh, okay. I mean, and, uh, I was just recently there and there's a lot of evidence that, I mean, you could, it looks like it was melted by lasers. I mean, that's yeah. the best way to describe it. <clears throat> and here's what's interesting. The Mesoamerican culture, which you're, which you're talking about, um, only happens for 150 years. So all the technology you see at Chaco Canyon and the what are called the neoclassical pyramids of Chichen Itza and Tikal and whatever else in Guatemala, Honduras, and Mexico um, only occur between about the 8th and the end of the 9th century, and then it just disappears. So somebody comes along for 150 years, builds all this cool stuff, which, by the way, also is done to predict you have a lot of triple pyramids that all represent the belt of Orion, but represent the belt of Orion as it aligns on December 21st of 2012. So you see these thousands of year old things that are not designed to align until 2012, which they did. So um, 
anyway, the, the weapon apparently was further away, which which is why the Grand Canyon is smaller uh, than it is. But this resulted in a 200-year nuclear winter. And the nuclear winter then uh, resulted in the reptilians or the saurians going underground and evolving with the help of the Africonians and the mammals staying above ground and evolving with the help of the the Pleiadians and, uh, you know, various supposed positive races. Now, uh, and this is where they kind of split, where one continued to eat human flesh and sort of looked at at the surface as being, uh, you know, all of us being cattle. Uh, just grazing on the surface, but still with the aspect that it's their planet that belongs to them. And uh, uh, whereas the Sumerians come along every 23,000 years or so, and we're the seventh incarnation of that, bioengineer what they can, uh, wipe out everybody else, like Noah's flood or you know whatever else, and then release their genetically engineered children of Noah, uh, whatever else, back into it. Now, how do I learn all this? Because Ted Humphrey... Uh, goes underneath the gazebo at the Pentagon, which, by the way, does not have an eagle on the top of it, but an owl, which I think is weird because it's a symbol for the Illuminati. And underneath that, there's an entire complex that apparently is used as as ambassadorial suites uh, for the inner Earth reptilians, for the positive ones, supposedly. And the negative ones are dealing with the Illuminati and, and the, the 12 families and the council. And uh, here's one other interesting thing. Supposedly, when they grab somebody and they do this and, and, and they squirt this stuff on them, they use their mind. What it does, is it hollows out the brain and they then inhabit. It's, it's almost like demonic possession. They can then inhabit that body and you have no feelings. You, you know, it's like the limbic system. It's like a reptile. You have no human emotions. And the side effect of this is, is not only do they go crazy and go out and murder kids, which is what they like to do. Um, but they can't keep a handle on their sexuality. So they become transgender. They become kind of half male, half female. And you're noticing these transgender types, which is all covered up in the media, by the way, which I think is weird, are busting into schools, terrifying little kids, killing little kids. Yes, sir. What did I say? No. And, uh, so you know, I just got finished writing these chapters in the book, which I think is, you know, to, it's weird to look up and see on the news. Um, exactly what you're doing. So that's those are the Sumerian Wars that, and that book is uh, uh, it's coming out in the next two weeks or so. So uh, for fans right. of the series, and I've got really radical fans of the series all over the world. Uh, you'll get to read it in the Sumerian Wars, and then the final, uh, the final. And by the way, all the science is cutting edge. It, it's amazing the science. I mean, this is Nobel Prize winning science that I'm just revealing in these books, and uh, I still can't get a publisher. I mean, I'm publishing these myself. That's probably so better. Being an agent, if, if there's a if there's a literary agent out there and you want to represent some really good things, it's uh, let me know. Well, but, I mean, you yes, you sir. answered my question is you know how many how much of the how many of the agendas right now and everything that we're seeing is actually backed by a non-human intelligence, extraterrestrial, reptilian. I mean, all, all of it. All of it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, that's uh, that's kind of. Um, like the whole political arena and everything, like there's so much more that's behind that that's pulling the strings than people will ever understand. Or maybe we will one day. Well, you're dealing with, you know, the thing I hate is you're dealing with James Bond villains, for God's sakes. You're dealing with George Soros and you're dealing with Klaus Schwab. Yeah. And you're dealing Bill with Bill Gates. Where's James Bond? For God's sakes. We need yeah, James right. Bond to take out some of these sons of bitches, you know? And, right. you know, and right. now James Bond's dead. Even if you look at No Time to Die, 
what are they doing? I mean, uh, what's the, what's the name of the actor that played him? Uh, Rami, um, Rami yeah. something. Yeah. But look at what he's doing. He's that whole movie. Uh, I mean, I wrote books about back in 2004 about using genetic weapons, about using things that that specifically. I mean, if you went into uh, Israel, for example, I mean, you could kill uh, everybody with Eastern European ge- uh, ge- uh, genes in Israel. You could mm-hmm. walk into a neighbor and kill everybody that's black. Uh, matter of fact, there's a black 007, and one of the scientists said, I could kill every one of your race. It's true. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, this is the kind of stuff that's being done. And, and as I said in the last interview, uh, which, of course, happened weeks ago, right? The last interview. Um, so thank you for number two. Yeah. Uh, uh, everything that you're seeing with the, with, the, with the genetics and the flu was all, all came from a report for uh, a project for an American 21st century. And this was this was in 2000, 2001, and it almost caused a war with China because we were proposing genetic weapons and the continuation of Project 721, uh, which was World War II, to develop genetically specific diseases that would only kill Japanese, drop these gene bombs on Japan so that we could successfully invade Japan uh, should the atom bomb not work. And of course, what happened was we beat Germany in March of 1945. And then suddenly we come up with the atom bomb. Suddenly we have all the scientists who say, yeah, we have the atom bomb. We we created a basket full of them the size of pineapples and handed it to the Fuhrer. And the Fuhrer said we should not use them. They're too inhumane. So so, all the German scientists we captured suddenly give us the, you know, and of course the big propaganda movie that's coming out is going to be Oppenheimer, which is uh, Christopher Nolan's new movie, like Oppenheimer, some big genius, hmm. uh, you know, with the atomic bomb. I want to get into the time travel technology and teleportation. Okay. Um, you actually apparently helped build a time machine while you're in college, and uh, you have quite the story to tell. And then you also segued into us being able to teleport basically satellites in the Russian territory. I would love to get uh, your thoughts on that, but I want to hear about the time machine as well. Okay. All starts and ends with my Uncle Fred. Fred Bell. Matter of fact, this this thing I'm wearing right here, <coughs> he claims was Andromedan technology. That in essence, if you look at it, there's 144 pyramids on each of these discs. And the discs are called Cassegrain dish. We found out that uh, if you only take a, a flat surface and slightly concave it, which is what a guy named Cassegrain did, you could take a gigantic. Remember when people, hillbillies and stuff, used to have those gigantic satellite dishes on their front lawn you get anybody ever see those mm-hmm. well now oh, yeah. this big. now like i said we found out that you could just slightly curve it and by putting these pyramids 144 pyramids in each side of this and then using the diamonds to laser it on each side uh it creates a, a standing dna helix it expands your your energy field about 90 feet or so and uh of course uh, protects the cells from uh, you know certain types of toxins and whatever else. So Fred uh, was 14 years old and was graduating from the University of Michigan when he was 14 because he was one of those boy geniuses. And he talked about that even back then, uh, and it took me a lot to you know, figure this out and realize this, but they were studying uh, time dilation inside explosions. And so what Sands of Time opens up with is one of the things that we were doing at Montauk is we had this device called the Beast, which could then teleport uh, probes into the heart of Russian 
nuclear experiments and photograph what was going on so that we could study the time dilation inside atomic bombs. What Ted Humphrey decided he was going to do was because we had a problem with with obviously the heat that was coming off these nuclear weapons. Uh, he found a way to teleport the device they called Alvin, I think at the time, teleported to the moon. It would then cool on the moon to minus 250 degrees. Then they would teleport it into the heart of the nuclear experiment. So that when, and then they teleport it back. And so when it came back in, it was cooled off and it wouldn't come in hot as they said. And, uh, but one of the things they found when they teleported to the moon is that you were now expanding the morphogenic field of the earth and all kinds of crazy stuff happened to the point of where one guy got sucked into it and he traveled through the astral plane, I guess, physically through the astral plane, only discovered that there's all kinds of creepy shit that lives in the astral plane that you don't oh, yeah. want to mess with. And he pops out the other side, literally like Bill Murray going, I've been slimed. And he's got all this slime on him, which is the ectoplasmic goo uh, that you get when you when you come into the astral plane. And uh, Madame Blavatsky used to go into the astral plane and this, this ectoplasm used to come out and form itself into archangels and Lord Katumi and, you know, God knows what. So, okay, so Fred, when I'm in college, uh, back in the 70s, I'm going to USC and on the weekends I would go down there and we built this device in his backyard. Matter of fact, uh, uh, my cousin Megan Bell, uh, she lives in Arizona now, but she just uh, she has a book called Daughter of Genius, where she talks about experiencing all this. And, uh, you know, Fred had a book called Death of Ignorance and uh, Rays of Truth and Crystals of Light, which are still some of the most advanced scientific books you're ever going to see. And he has the plans for building this time machine. Now, this thing was four stories high. And it, it had a, a giant pyramid in the center, a, a, a dodecahedron pyramid, pyramid at the top, pyramid at the bottom, with a ring around the bottom, which was all then interconnected to lasers and pyramids and all kinds of crazy stuff. And I saw this thing physically work twice. So at that time, I'd worked in the summer at a, a, a lumber camp in uh, Forks, Washington. And uh, up in the Olympia National Forest, which is famous now for, I think, the Stephanie Miller uh, Twilight novels all takes place in Forks, which I think is hilarious. And uh, uh, so I crawled up this, uh, you know, I had all the stuff to crawl up this, this, uh, this, this power pole. And we connected this device into, into the, uh, you know, very much like Doc Brown does, you know, to get the bolt of lightning, mm -hmm. to get the, uh, uh, to get the energy. But, I mean, we blacked out the city of Laguna Beach. <laughs> we used this thing. Now, where his house was located used to belong to this area. It was, used to belong to George Adamski. And it sits on top of it. I, I tried to drive by it the other day, and somebody tore the old place down and built a new one. But little did they realize that it sits on top of a dormant volcano. So there's still energy coming up out of the earth, you know, through this house. And so when I pulled the switch on this thing, uh, it disappeared twice. Whole thing right in front of me just went, and it disappeared. It like it, it it like pixelated from the outside, and then the whole thing just goes. And even to this day, uh, the trees grew in a spiral around you know where it was. Now eventually, I had to tear it down because the city came along and said, "Do you have a permit for this time machine?" <laughs> and he had to take the whole thing down. But uh, uh. So 
the thing comes in from the middle and goes and it, it pushed me back. I remember because it was very much like a like a whammo pop gun because it comes in from the middle, it materializes from the center outwards. And Fred's messed up. I mean, he's got blood coming out of his nose, coming out of his ears, coming out of his eyes. I he was a big guy, and I had to grab him and kind of yank him out the door. And where the patio was to the porch, I you know, I yanked him in and I said, Man, I gotta take him to the hospital. He goes, No, 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 put me on the bed. And his bed had a pyramid over it with a bunch of baffles and pyramids, and I had to arrange all these things. But he was messed up. And I'm like, look, I, I got a call to the hospital. And he goes, no, come here, come here. And I walk over to him, and he grabs me by, the, by the, 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 the scruff of the front of my shirt, and he pulls me in. And he goes, John, the future, it's, it's not there. The future is not there. <laughs> and... I began to realize for the two times that he used this thing, and this is where it gets really weird. Time as we know it does not flow apparently from the past forwards because a lot of people think about the big bang and big bang is nonsense. You can, you can disprove the big bang by the fact that, that if you, if you measure the width and breadth of the universe, it can have existed in the 16 billion years of the universe because it's faster than the speed of light across the universe. Therefore, the Big Bang on its face is stupid. So the other theory is, is that, and this is from Billy Meyer and his Palladians, is that the universe as we know it kind of just faded in from another dimension, if you will. So time and space as we know it is being created at the moment we get there. So the only thing I can tell you is that if you, if you're looking at the human system and you understand that, that, okay, remember I talked about, we have seven chakras. Uh, each chakra connects to an endocrine gland. Each endocrine gland vibrates at a particular vibration. Each vibration creates a certain color, which then create the colors of the chakras. However, each chakra has seven chakras. So when you understand that, let's say you have a heart chakra the heart chakra out here uh, starts in the causal plane, which is where creation is happening. And it goes from the causal plane. Let me see if I get it right. The causal plane, the etheric plane, the astral plane, the spiritual plane, uh, the mental plane. I'm missing one of the planes in there, which then comes into the, to the, the physical plane, which is your seventh chakra. So when you're traveling into the future, Unless you have a bubble or something of time and space around you, like Terminator, as an example, uh, it yanks you from the outside in. And then when you come back, it puts you back together, back together. side out, which is what happened to Fred. So, so how does Fred know that he went to the future and not somewhere else, maybe another dimension? I mean, how does he know that's where he was? <clears throat> Good question. Because... He claims that he, when he moved forward that he could see everything, but that it looked like uh, he said it was like being an ant inside a blueprint and that he looked at everything and he could see through everything. So you actually saw the holographic remnant of the thing that was about to come into being. So and in Buddhism, and it's interesting that, that Einstein was the one that said uh, in the future, Buddhism would be the only religious philosophy that would make any sense, you know, in his physics. And the Buddha said that an apple is not an apple until you perceive it to be an apple. And 
That's exactly true. It's it's true because the apple somehow comes into existence when you perceive it as such. Therefore, you have 8 billion people approximately on this planet all holding hands and they're walking backwards into the future. And as they interact with the future, the future is being created as they interact with it. So the challenge becomes, if you look at the past, uh, the past still exists, but it exists as light and sound. So if all of us were to jump 10,000 light years away and look back on Earth with a telescope, we would see Earth 10,000 years ago as it was because the light would not have traveled to us. So, and the challenge is, is that with the time runner devices, what they discovered is that, yeah, you could travel back into the past, but every time you did this, you created a, a, a mass destruction somewhere else in the universe. So one of the things we're discovering that I, I feature in the book as you know a, a Nobel winning idea was that you have these gigantic voids or bubbles in the universe, and it will eventually allow us to travel across the galaxy into other places in the universe. But these 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 voids or these bubbles um, represent these collapses in time space. And apparently every time you, you do like a time jump, uh, it creates a massive disruption somewhere else in the universe. I mean, you could be wiping out entire planets um, with these with these kinds of jumps. And uh, so no. that being said, <laughs> can Man, you, you mentioned past? And the problem, let me, let me give you one other thing. One of the things that I, what I describe it as if you're on you're on the beach and there's a wave coming towards you and you toss yourself into the wave. Um, you'll create a, a hole in the wave. But the wave, as you know, it just collapses in on itself and it still hits the shore. So the only way to change time is you have to have an equal and opposite wave hit the wave coming at you. Therefore, if you kill Hitler, nothing happens because you're not killing the mindset that creates Hitler. If you and I go back into the past in 1933 or whatever, and we take a million people with us and those million people know and understand what Hitler's going to become, then they can create the equal and opposite wave that theoretically, hypothetically stops Hitler. It's very much the same concept as getting rid of a pyramid by taking the capstone off the top of the pyramid. It doesn't work. But the way prophecy functions, and this is why Art Bell's concerned about my giving certain prophecies and predictions that 27 million people were listening to right at their most powerful as they're drifting off into, into sleep is that we were creating an equal and opposite wave of the time stream and the internet very much and shows like yours and, and people that are doing great things like you. Um, that's what's occurring is that people are creating that equal and opposite wave to create maybe peace and understanding uh, with what's about ready to come down. Now the terror and the catastrophe and the financial collapse when the banks go is going to be a real problem because the people that are tied into that matrix are going to have some real problems. But it means the end of the slave matrix. And, and, and again, if you're slaves on the plantation, what's there to do? I mean, a lot of those slaves never wanted to leave. They went back to their masters and said, give us a place to live. You know, we want a job. We, you know, we want to eat. And that's what's happening. Well, we don't know what it's like. We have no reference point to know what it's like to not be under slavery. So you, it, actually, you kind of do, because the Bible, everything that's happening to us happened in the Bible. And I if mean, you, like if us, you look at Jeremiah 
And if you look at Leviticus, and if you look at everything from the immigration, where the book of Jeremiah says, I will let men into your into your towns and into your cities that will eat out your your guts like caterpillars. Um, that you know everything that you see about ready to happen to the Israelites and the Hebrews and the Babylonians that Jeremiah warned about um, is about ready to happen here. And if you think that if you think that we're better than them from the Bible and that you know the, the rain doesn't come on the good and the bad alike, um, I mean you're looking at a, a you know a biblical apocalypse of the collapse of society and, and how we're going to deal with it well, is. We're going to start our own money supply, which is what they're doing in Texas with gold and silver. Uh, you're going to have states beginning to secede. Uh, San Bernardino County seceding from California. Big section of Oregon that wants to become, become part of Idaho. Uh, the possibility of Texas as an independent sovereign state. They're the Lone Star Republic, by the way, which is why their flag uh, flies at the same height as the U.S. flag, because they, they are only... Uh, a member of the union by the by the the Treaty of uh, Guadalupe Hidalgo, which they signed ceremonially every two years. Matter of fact, Rick Perry said, "I can quit. I can quit the United States. I just I just not going to sign that treaty." And right. you know, and he was and he was governor there for what fourteen years, I think. Rick Perry. Well, what I meant was, and not hum, humanity as a, as a race, but in this lifetime, we don't know what it's like to live free. Because of the we 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 were born into this engineered system that's designed to keep us suppressed and enslaved, so that's why you wouldn't know what to do if all of a sudden it was gone. Um, but the few notes I want to reference here: one, you mentioned in a previous interview that they did go back into the past, and that there was one event that was they were able to manipulate that changed history, and that was the Battle of the Spanish Armada. Yes. And why was that significant? And why did that change the course of the future? Okay. Um, I was working with a man named Hal Wilcox. And Hal was a super famous UFO contactee. To the point of where Hal went and lived on another planet for a period of time. He brought back rock samples. He brought back photographs. Uh, in the early 60s, he, he was on Jack Parr. He was on Johnny Carson. Uh, he used to lead these massive groups with George Green and other people out at Giant Rock, uh, out in the desert near Landers. And George Van Tassel, who built the Integratron out there, which which you guys should definitely visit at some point. It's an amazing piece of extraterrestrial technology. Yeah, I would love to. Yeah, it's it's cool. Um, and it's and the reason it's there is because it's built on top of six electromagnetic ley lines, and the device was supposed to spin on the top. And it has four Tesla coils on either side. And this thing was built with Howard Hughes's money because it was supposed to be a rejuvenation machine. So that when you stood in the center of it and the top spun and the whole thing was wood, it's a 60 foot, it's the largest wood dome on earth. And the Tesla coils would come up with super high frequency energy, go through your body, and then you'd spin on top of this thing. And it supposedly would allow you to live for the natural human lifespan, uh, which is between four and 600 years. And if you're in a golden age, the average galactic human lifespan is a thousand years, apparently. Mm -hmm. So, and there's no reason why we shouldn't live that long with the exception of you look at Genesis six and it says that, that, uh, that God shall set the age of man at four score and 20 or something, which means that they clamped off and released an aging virus into our DNA. 
which only allows us to live at max about 120 years or so. Um, and this was after Yahweh had a conversation with the Nephilim who complained or the sons of God, the fallen sons of God, who complained about the fact that human beings lived so long that they made lousy slaves. And uh, therefore, after the flood, you will notice that because they, they squeezed out this protective layer in the atmosphere, uh, human beings only live 120 years. Uh, Noah, when he built the ark, was supposedly 600 years old. Uh, Enoch supposedly lived to be 1,000 or 1,200 or something. Um, but you had these very long-lived prophets before the ark. So what was it about the ark and the flood uh, that did this and the genetic manipulation and engineering? This is what we're finding out now at the USC School of Gerontology. Right. Uh, they're finding we have an aging virus in the DNA. There's no reason why we shouldn't be able to live 600 years or so, with the exception of the DNA is actually, it unravels at a certain rate. So and the telomeres at the end, yes. So why did the Spanish Armada, why did, why did going back and changing that event change history? Okay. Um, I mean, you could briefly, you, we don't have to go into the yeah, whole thing. Okay. I, well, I'm, I just want the gist of it. Yeah. What happened. We were told... We lived through a timeline shift ourselves, and we did this. They they told us to go get the books of a guy named Rajneesh Gurdjieff, and we did, and they didn't exist. The guy didn't exist. The books didn't exist. Nobody knew who he was, and then one Monday, we all went out to the bookstores again before we went to the meeting at Hal's house, and there was about 12 of us or so, six men, six women, which was important because you can apparently change time when you know the certain meditations to do. And suddenly everybody had books by Gurdjieff, everybody. And uh, we were told through this channeling session of this, this commander Fage, uh, who said, I, you know, I'm not a spirit. I'm a guy. I'm on a ship. I'm communicating with you through a biofrequency, uh, who said we were allowed to change an event in time, which brought Gurdjieff to the attention of America. And uh, he, became a, uh, he became a major force in the metaphysical development, I mean, you could, you could say Gurdjieff, Swami Yogananda, Aleister Crowley in a lot of ways, uh, Madame Blavatsky, uh, Alice Bailey, I think you wrote the Course in Miracles. Uh, they had nefarious backgrounds as well. Uh, but we changed, they, they changed the timeline to allow Gurdjieff to now exist in our consciousness. So we said, have there been other timeline changes? And they hit us with this thing saying, yes. Uh, your planet had become a slave world, had become a prison. There was no way out. There were totalitarian regimes from end to end of the planet. There was no chance for you to ascend. There was no chance for you to develop. And there was no chance for you to evolve because once these totalitarian regimes basically lucked into artificial intelligence, then the computers took over and, you know, you were done. And uh, uh, that there are 48, I'm just telling you what they said now. Mm -hmm. I have no direct experience of this. I'm telling you what came through in the channel. That there are 48 developing worlds in this neck of the galaxy. And that we're all part of a grand man, if you will. That the universe itself was like a giant human. And that we were important because we were near the heart chakra of this giant man. And that unless we evolved, we were the slow kid in the class, but the entire class couldn't graduate together unless our evolution was, was done a certain way. So they claimed they went back and they changed one event in history, which stopped the complete total, total I don't know how to say it, totalitarianization 
of <laughs> sorry we get it totalitarianization totalitarianization of the entire world of basically spain uh china uh the germans you know everybody and that uh and that one thing was they altered the wind behind a, a, an english frigate that allowed it to t-bar on a spanish man of war and allowed it to sink this man of war. They also gave apparently they they messed up the weather at this time during uh, uh, 1588 during the battle for the Spanish Armada, and this represented one of the greatest miracles in history that you actually had the Spanish Armada. To give you an example, the Spanish Armada is like the U.S. Navy, and imagine the U.S. Navy being beaten by Mexico in the Gulf of Mexico, and having the U.S. Navy manage to sink, or, uh, having the Mexican Navy sink every ship in the United States Navy. And you give an idea of what it was like at that time. Torquemada was on his way with, with Inquisition torture devices, with everything that you could think of, and everything that would have happened with the Inquisition throughout the rest of Europe. Burning people in the stake, hanging people, stretching witches, you know, whatever else, was on his way to England. And they knew this. And so the fact that the Spanish fleet sank now, it's interesting because most of these Spanish sailors washed up on the shores of Ireland and intermated with the also Catholic Irish, which is where the black Irish come from, interestingly enough. But that allowed the British to colonize Australia, to colonize Canada, the British and the French, by the way, colonize Canada, and eventually colonize the United States, which led to literature, led to Shakespeare, led to every freedom that we have today or every all the freedom of thought that you think of. Uh, you can trace back to that one key moment in history, which mm. was impossible, which should never have happened. And they said that was the big shift that now was going to allow you. They also said we could fail in America. And if we fail in America, we would have to then start over. And this is one of the reasons why Brazil is so important and why the CIA and the Chinese are down there rigging elections and doing the things they're doing in Brazil. But there's more healing and more channeling and more spiritualization in Brazil and amongst the Brazilians than anywhere on the planet. And they said, we will start over with Brazil. And they said, it'll take longer and be far more painful. And that's why we're so concerned with the victory in the United States. The ascension must occur and we will help you now. And so this is now the Alliance and the council and whatever it is you want to call it, the, the Octurians, uh, which interestingly enough, this symbol here, uh, this is a crop circle. And it's the Octurians that are actually doing the crop circles now. And really? this is a kind of a cool medallion that they did. But the Octurians are supposedly 10th dimensional energy beings. And they fly around in little ships that are like this big. But on the inside, they're like 10,000 miles across. It's, it's like a TARDIS. Mm. And it's time and relative dimensions in space. And when we were out in the crop circles, uh, these two little yellow lights would fly over the fields. They call them the amber gamblers, actually. And they'd fly over the fields once and fly over again, and poof, there was a crop circle. And this right. is happening like right in front of us. So that's why it was important. That's why that time shift was important, why they were given permission, and why they were allowed to do it. Wow. According to, um, according to Aaron, did you, wanna, uh, did you have any questions for him, Aaron? Um, I'm, not really. I mean, um, <laughs> I've so, so clearly. Silence. Well, that's, that's, I mean, that's huge because, you know, there, there's a lot of craziness. There's a lot of, 
things look bad right now. And there's a lot of people that have, that are kind of, they either have a very pessimistic doom and gloom mindset where they, it, they basically think it's inevitable that the Illuminati is going to win and the whole planet's going to get taken over. And, um, which to me is ridiculous. That doesn't, it doesn't make any sense that that would be allowed. Like, so that makes a lot of sense that these beings are now getting involved because the planet is important and, and apparently human beings are important. Um, it's the end of a cycle, by the way. And let me give you one. Other and it's the end of a cycle. Right. So it's like ascension time. And it's like, this is, this is when stuff's happening, you know? Um, and like you said, is a point I've made before where we are karmic or we're tied to these other beings that if, if we stay back, that, that holds them back as well. So, so it's not just like we're, Oh, who cares about those humans? They're on their own. You know, they didn't, they didn't act right. They didn't learn their lessons. Oops, too bad. And then we go, it's like, no, we're, they're tied to us and the planet. And like, we have to ascend for them to ascend. It's funny that you so, say that because this guy that I made friends with when I was working on strange universe, uh, who calls himself Adrian, he was a little Cuban guy lived in Miami and he was taking these amazing photos and taking, I bought him a 35 millimeter camera. He was taking photos, film, just ships everywhere. I mean, you know, everywhere would appear to this guy. He and his girlfriend were riding on the ships. And um, I asked his girlfriend, why'd you stop going? Because she went five times. And she goes, she said, because all they ever did was watch people sleep. And that they would visibly float above the cities. and They would process the dream state. And they processed the information coming into people's minds. And, uh, you know, to see if they were ready to help, I guess. And he claims that he went to the Andromedan Council in the constellation not the galaxy of andromeda and the pleiadians had given up the pleiadians went there's nothing we can do every time we try to help them it doesn't work everybody we contact turns into a complete jerk uh billy meyer <laughs> being case in point uh yeah, yeah, pleading, yeah. the pleading contactees i've met there you know all i can tell you is the pleadings have rotten tasted people because they were all assholes um <laughs> yeah. and they said we give up there's nothing we can do they're just they're too thick-headed they're just stupid and, uh, you know, let them go to their fate, exactly as you said. Now, it's interesting because um, he claims the Octurans stepped in. <laughs> let me give you this something fun. Because they look like this. I'm not kidding. This is what they look like, the Octurans. There you go. There's, a, there's an Octurn for you. Oh, um, and they look like, they really? look like Gort from the day the Earth stood still. There you go. There's Gort. Interesting. Gort guy. And um, <laughs> he's kind of fun. I should let him give the uh, Yeah. Are. So um, um, they're in these robot bodies i guess because they're uh if you ever watch the old star trek uh there was ambassador kodos who came in a box and the box would open and whoever saw the light show would, would go crazy and eventually i think spock saw him and he goes nuts and uh his the girl that helps him is blind and all this so he claims the Arcturians, who are 10th dimensional energy beings he says uh stepped up and they said, uh, uh, we are going to become the new guardians of Earth. And Earth is too valuable to lose. And humanity is like a candle in the wind that must not be extinguished. And this happened uh, right about, they, he claims, about 92, 93. And it's when the crop circle phenomenon began. And he claims it's the Arcturians, these, these amber gamblers, they call them, these little lights that swoop over stuff. And it's the Arcturians that are making, you know, once again, they made this crop circle finally 
which is the symbol of the Acturians. This this symbol is the symbol of the Acturians. He's tenth dimensional energy man, and it looks kind of like a uh, looks kind of like the Masons actually. But uh, he also told me they said they're going to become much more complex. They're going to have prophecy on them, which they did. Uh, I managed to make a lot of predictions by analyzing the crop circles. Uh, one had to do with a comet that exploded. They became the largest object in the solar system of this big ball of blue gas was all predicting a crop circle. A lot of stuff about 2012. <coughs> um, and this 13 year period we're going through, which is the night of the Jaguar. It goes from, uh, it goes from uh, uh, December 21st of 2012 to December 21st of, uh, of uh, 2025, which is once again, when a golden age can occur, if Trump actually does get back in because he's a Gemini, and he interacts with Pluto and Aquarius. I mean, there's the possibility of, 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 a, of a new golden age in America. And they're going to do everything they can to stop that. Everything, including the only reason I think Trump's not dead is because it, he doesn't rely on regular secret service that are controlled by the Treasury Department. Um, he relies on Blackwater, or XE as it's called. And it's Eric, Eric Prince is the guy who's basically head of his security. And his sister... Uh, Trump made the, uh, uh, I forget her name. Uh, he made her the, the secretary of education, but I think it's because Trump has had all of his security taken over that, uh, you know, that he's still around. He's still alive. And it's unfortunate because the white hats of these, these white hat people have given you so much bogus information, including saying that Trump had the nuclear launch codes, that Trump was still commander in chief, that Trump had like a bat cave underneath Mar-a-Lago and that's what triggered the whole FBI DOJ thing of the whole search of his house in Mar-a-Lago is that they believed the white hat crap that he had like nuclear launch codes or, or oh, that, what's that? That's why they did that. That's why they were looking for it. Eventually came out saying, oh, we're looking for nuclear launch codes because that's what the white hats, Michael Flynn and Juan Savin, who I've known for 20 years, whose real name is Wayne Williott. Carrie, uh, Carrie Cassidy believes 107 is JFK Jr. And what do you what do you think about that? <laughs> she fully believes that 100. percent I'm not okay. so sure about that. After no, <laughs> after I had a come to Jesus meeting with Carrie, of course, mm -hmm. you know, my actual information is not as good as her dreams of things, and I can't say any bad about her because Carrie has saved my life. I love, she does, yeah, she's done amazing work. I love right. Her. Yeah, yeah. I just to and she's now she's convinced that there's two Wano Sabins. This is her story now. Yeah, yeah. Two Wano Sabins. One Wano Sabin is Wayne Willie. Because she's you want to hear the Wayne Willie story real quick? Sure. <laughs> On January 6th, I get a call from Wayne. And um he says, Look, man, don't out me. And I, I had no idea what he was talking about. And he said, well, I've got this other alter ego, this Wano Savin guy. And by the way, he's got merchandise. He's got bags. He's got coffee cups. I mean, he's selling merch mm -hmm. as Wano Savin. And he has this little book. It's about that big called Kid by the Side of the Road, which, you know, again. And whether or not you believe me or not, I mean, I'm the one that started the rumor about JFK Jr. being alive. I don't know if you know this or not, but really. I did a hard copy investigation on the uh, on the uh, on the, the supposed plane crash of JFK Jr. I was on on ABC television, mind you, because I was jumping up and down. And they called me into ABC in, in downtown LA. Actually, not down; it's in West LA on Pico. And I was the first one to say, "This is murder. This is an assassination. 
Nobody is connecting the fact that JFK Jr. had lunch with Hillary Clinton, where she warned him not to enter the race, where he said to her, I don't like you. I don't think you're good for New York. I think you're a carpetbagger. This town's not good enough for either of us. You're going to get the hell out of Dodge. I'm going to take over my uncle's Senate seat. I'm going to use my money. And if he asks me, I'll run for vice president along with Donald Trump as Democrats in 2008. This is what he was telling Hillary at the time, which is how they knew that Trump was going to be a, a threat because they kept asking JFK Jr. going to run for president. He says, uh, if Donald Trump runs, I might be his vice president. This is his quote now. He walks out of this meeting and I have the video footage of it, white as a sheet, scared to death. And he gets in his limo and they said, what did you and Hillary talk about? Nothing, nothing. No comment, no comment, no comment. Gets in his limo. Hillary comes out looking like the proverbial, you know, bird that ate the canary with this big grin on her face. And they say, what did you and JFK Jr. talk about? And she goes, well, I advised him not to enter public life. Well, that's what his mother told him, saying if he enters public life, he'll die. He's dead 12 hours later, 12 hours later. And I'm up on ABC News going, you people need to know that with the removal of JFK Jr., Bad things are going to happen. This changes the timeline of everything. This basically clears the way for Hillary Clinton's political aspirations to be president of the United States and, and to be senator of New York and president of the United States. And why nobody's looking into her when she had lunch with this guy 12 hours, 12 hours ago, and now he's dead. So in the course of the investigation, uh, having some hard copy sources, I, I contacted an FAA guy. And this FAA guy had given us video of TWA Flight 800 from the tower in LaGuardia, which showed beyond a shadow of a doubt that this was a missile, some kind of military missile fired from a submarine that shot through TWA Flight 800, killed about 300 people, and was being covered up by the military. So we said, can you get us the FAA footage or the audio tape of the last 15 minutes of JFK Jr.? Because the last thing you hear him say, and I heard it myself, he says, skies are clear. I can see the runway from here on approach. That's the last thing you hear. And he said, no. And I said, wait, you could get us a missile taking a public airline out of the air. You can't get us this. He goes, nope, it's all classified. By who? By Bill Clinton. Mm. And I went, wow. And he says, by the way, you noticed that the search was carried out not by everybody in, in Martha's Vineyard. Because if a plane goes down or a boat is missing, everybody gets on their boat. And they go out as, as a public service and they interact with the Coast Guard. But everybody gets on a boat. Everybody gets in a plane. Everybody looks at this except this. And there's a 25-mile cordon that's put up around the search area enforced with guns by the U.S. Navy, by the way. And the only boat that's allowed to be out is Ted Kennedy and the Kennedy family just sailing around. And then they supposedly pick up the wreckage of JFK, JFK's plane, which, by the way, the plane they show in Newsweek magazine is not the plane he took off in. The plane they show is red, and the plane they took off with was white. And they pull him up on the USS Briscoe. They then claim to hand his body of the three people over to the USS Grasp. They pull him up at 7 p.m. at night, and then the next morning at dawn, they have funeral services where they spread his ashes over the uh, over the USS Grass with the Kennedy family there. You know, you know how many things are wrong with that story? Everything. <laughs> Everything. Everything. Do you, have you ever heard, ever, 
of a crematorium on a navy ship ever. I mean, ever. no, but I'm not familiar with their. What do they do with? What do you do with? Ball. What do they do? You've seen every movie. What do they do when you die? You've seen funerals in the movies on navy yeah. ships. What do they do? I don't know. You tell me. They they wrap you in a flag. They toss your body over the side. You've seen right. that, right? Right. They 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 yeah. they condemn you to the deep or whatever. They not condemn, but they do something to the deep. Sure. Sure. But so, they don't. yeah. All right. Number one, you have a military-enforced executive order against releasing any information and against anybody searching. That's number one. Number two, you have a Roman Catholic who strictly, staunchly does not believe in cremation, who's then cremated, apparently with the approval of the family. Number three, he wants to be buried next to his dad at Arlington National Cemetery, even though he's not a cemetery, even though he's not military. And they allow that. Well, now they can't do that, can they? Because they dumped his ashes over the side. So I'm telling you that this whole thing stinks to high heaven. So some years later, I have a friend of mine who works for MI6. And he was working, he was doing some editing for me. And he's a big computer genius. And he was the one that came up with the, uh, uh, he figured out a way to link pictures together. You, now you use it on, when you're looking for a house or an apartment, you can take you know, a virtual walking tour where you just walk around. You guys have seen that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he was doing this for photos of Mars where you can take a tour of Mars where you look this way, look that way, look up, look down. He invented this program that links all these things together so that you could, you know, makes it seamless. And you can now look at stuff in 360 degrees. So out of the blue, I just asked him, can you tell me two things about what you know working for MI6? And he was attached to the, to the British Embassy in Los Angeles. And the, uh, he goes, yeah. And I said, can you tell me what happened with Princess Diana and JFK Jr.? And he said, uh, oh, yeah. He says, I can tell you everything there is to know about Princess Diana. And it's like he was part of the operation. He gives me he gives me chapter and wrote about everything that occurred. Well, here's what's weird about it is that one of the things I noticed, if you look at the photos, go ahead, look this up yourself. Look at the photos of the limousine that Princess Diana gets into. And then look at the photos of the limousine that's wrecked, and you'll notice they're not the same car. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of discrepancies there as well. They have different license plates. Mm -hmm. So, again, he says it was ordered by Prince Philip. And he says, but the weird thing is, is that he said, we asked American CIA to, when he says we, uh, MI6, we asked American CIA to help us. And they refused because Bill Clinton had this big crush on Princess Diana and had some weird delusion that once he got rid of Hillary, that he was going to become Secretary General of the United Nations, divorce Hillary, and somehow marry Princess Diana. Well, you know, Monica Lewinsky saw that that wasn't going to happen. So, um, um, and by the way, the whole Monica Lewinsky thing popped up because Clinton would not sell nuclear weapons to the Israelis. So this whole thing was an Israeli Mossad operation with with Lewinsky. Sure. So, um, so what did he say about JFK Jr. then? After so I said, okay, the other thing was uh, JFK Jr. And he said, and he, and he pulled it up and he said, look, if you tell anybody who I am, just by showing you this screen, I could spend the rest of my life in prison. And I was like, okay. And uh, I've never told anybody who he is. I think he's back in England now. But he pulled up, he says, I pull up two files, JFK Jr. and Princess Diana. And both these files come up with what we call a Project Gaia classification. And Project Gaia is the British version of WITSEC. And I said, you're telling me both these people are in witness protection. 
And he says, there you go. He says, but here's the weird thing. The weird thing is Princess Diana would be in witness protection under the CIA because of, of Bill Clinton. But JFK Jr., because Hillary wanted him dead, is under witness protection of MI6. So you have these two intelligence agencies basically with dueling hostages, if you will, uh, that are at different complexes. You know, it's, it's, it's very much like the English show The Prisoner. He says those places completely exist. And, you know, we have ways of keeping people in there. Now, is JFK Jr. running around in a rubber mask showing up at Trump rallies? You know, I don't know. Right. But um, so so I try to explain this all to Carrie. And I keep asking Carrie, I said, Carrie, I'm doing this for your own good. I love you. And you're my friend. And I want you to be protected from what's going to come down here because you're just wrong. So Wayne Williott says, he says, uh, I, I, don't out me, man. Don't tell people I'm Juan Savage. I was like, okay, I don't have any problems with that. You can call yourself whatever you want. He goes, I'm, I'm afraid for my family and what might happen. I said, okay. I said, so you and Trump are buddies, right? You guys are close. And uh, he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I see Trump all the time. And blah, blah, blah. All right. I had just gotten out of federal prison. I spent three years in federal prison uh, for a cr- crime that had no victims and no monetary loss to anyone. And they were mad because I was writing them letters. And I was helping people defend themselves against the banks and against the Internal Revenue Service. And um, we were writing bonds to the banks, which they could not produce at all because the the banks were taking them, cashing them, and monetizing these these bonds that we were doing. And they tried to claim that that was fraud, even though they couldn't produce a single one, nor could they find anybody to complain against me. And they threw my wife in prison for two years, me in prison for three years, uh, gave me cancer, gave me MRSA, uh, let me out. Then grabbed me again and uh, uh, reincarcerated me, supposedly to then treat my cancer. Shipped me to Butner, North Carolina, where I was in the same room as uh, as where they killed Bernie Madoff. And now they're trying to kill the Tiger King guy because he's got prostate cancer. And if it wasn't for my friends raising enough money for an attorney, I'd still be there. And and there were other guys I knew that had heart conditions that were. I, I mean, I was in 2016. They rounded up everybody in the freedom movement. Me. Rocky Hudson, who was head of the Colorado Republic, Winston Shrout up in Oregon, who was doing bonds for people, uh, Tim Turner, who was head of the Southern Confederacy, uh, Tony King, who had these giant seminars showing people how to file paperwork for the IRS to get, you know, get lots of money back. Um, and I got a return from the IRS off my paperwork. Six months later, they turned around and said, we want the money back. I said, can't give it to you. I spent it. And then they tried to claim that I was guilty of fraud, even though they could not prove any fraud. And then I'd filled out all their paperwork correctly. And even the judge said, he told you every dime he made for five years. This is not a tax fraud case at all. So I'd committed no fraud. I hadn't taken advantage of anybody. They put one woman up on the stand um, who claims that she was impersonating her husband, who was now dead. And I said, did I victimize you? No. Did I break my contracts with you? No. Did I take advantage of you? No, if I'd gotten you a house with this bond, was I going to live in your house? Was I going to get a piece of you selling your house? No. So why are we here? And right. over and over and over again, I was like, I, I just was going down a slippery slope of, of just. Uh... And by the way, Ingrid, uh, 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 Bridget Ingridson was the campaign, the computer campaign manager for both Obama and Hillary Clinton. And she was on my jury. So they rigged the jury on top of this as well to do what, what it is they did to me. So I said to Wayne, 
I have a federal pardon sitting on the president's desk right now. It's been approved by the BOP. It's been approved by everybody. And there's 10,000 of them. Have them sign my pardon and we're cool. And he goes, and by the way, there were 50,000 requests for commutations of sentence uh, for Trump as well. And Trump was going to sign pardons for Julian Assange and um, Snowden. Snowden. And, and is it, I forget his first name. Frank Edward, Snowden? Ed Snowden. Edward Snowden. Yeah. Edward Snowden. And he was threatened by Mitch McConnell, by the turtle, by the by the scumbag, <laughs> by Emperor Palpatine, who runs the Senate. And he turned around and said, if you do this, if you pardon these guys or any of these other federal prisoners and let them out of federal prison, I will make sure my 18 butt boys in the Senate, you know, my little faggy pals who uh, who run the Senate, they will vote to impeach you and you and, and convict you in the Senate and you won't be able to run for president again. And Trump went. Okay, we're good, and walked away. So Wayne starts telling me, oh, it'll be good, man. It'll be good. I guarantee you that Trump's going to be inaugurated as president on January 20th. And I'm like, you're an idiot. That's not going to happen. I mean, didn't you take political science? Don't you know how this works? He lost. And by the way, you have 60 lawsuits against Dominion. Not one of those lawsuits, and they're all going to be dismissed because not one of those lawsuits has a request for discovery. If you had discovery, you could you could have a search warrant. You could grab those voting machines. You could see how they were connected. You could trace this all back to one guy at the Vatican who, when the voting machines couldn't cover the discrepancy, picked up the phone, called the mafia. They called their guys in the AFL-CIO. Suddenly, giant trucks started showing up at 1.32 a.m. in the morning when they stopped counting the votes. And these big trucks had bags and bags and bags and bags of ballots with one stamp on them for Joe Biden. You can actually subpoena all that stuff, but you can't because you don't have the request for discovery in a single one of them. By the way, Ellen Wood and Sidney Powell were showing up at the White House every day with truckloads full of, of fraud uh, evidence. And they were being kicked in the teeth and told to hit the bricks and take a long walk off a short beer, short beer by Mark Meadows, who was the traitor chief of staff. He was the Brutus and all this. And this is exactly as I predicted because I did Trump's chart and I said he's going to win, but not serve because he's going to be betrayed by the people closest to him. And that's what he did. He listened to Kissinger and he surrounded himself with Tillerson, with Mr. Mustache, John Bolton, with and the worst of them all, which which was uh, which was his attorney general, the scumbag who did nothing but cover up for Waco, cover up for Iran-Contra and cover up for the uh, uh, for the Bush family. So. um so I was like, okay. And then, and then again, I promised him I wouldn't tell anybody. So Carrie's calling me on the phone going, is he, is 107 Wayne Willett? 107. I said, you didn't hear it from me. I'm, I swore not to say. Then Wayne started telling people that I was a black hat. Then he, then he started taking <laughs> shots at me. And I'm like, oh no, is this how you're going to play? Oh no, Sean's a black hat. He's only with the black hats. He's, <laughs> he's, he's against the white hat agenda. And I was like, okay, this is classic. Everyone I don't like is a black hat and Everyone I don't a like is a controlled black opposition. Hat. Yeah, and, and yeah. over and over again, they started saying, okay, Trump's going to be president on oh, March 3rd now. Trump's going to be president April 20th. Trump's going to be president by July, oh, by July 4th. He's going to make his big announcement. The white hats are going to come in and they're going to have arrests and <laughs> people will be hanging from lampposts in D.C. and they're all going to be rounded up at Guantanamo. You probably heard the story that... Uh, uh, Hillary was walking up the gallows steps at Guantanamo, and as they were putting the noose around her neck, she's saying, you can't do this to me, I'm Hillary Clinton, and Trump said something like, this is happening, bitch. Or, oh, you know, no, something I haven't like heard that, no. 
It's crazy. Oh, I haven't heard that. I didn't. So, uh, I quit paying attention when they were throwing out all those dates and all that, and everything just it didn't feel right. But, but the guy in on it, the guy, the guy in on it was Michael Flynn, and Michael Flynn was the guy who Obama himself wanted to crucify and throw in prison because Flynn knew everything about the intelligence community, and then he was doing what he was doing, and the uh, you know the crazy part about this is is that even and, and I still don't know what's going on with Biden. He took the oath like forty minutes early. Uh, he hasn't been in the White House. Uh, Kamala still hasn't been in the vice presidential residence. He's on a bunch of sets. There's a bunch of green screen pretending he's in the White House. So that makes no sense to me either. So there's a bunch of pieces to the story that don't make any sense. And finally, when Willie had started saying I was a black hat, because here's what I said. I said, this is classic COINTELPRO. This is. There's a TV series you guys should totally watch. It's on it was on PBS and it's called Riley Ace of Spies. And it stars uh, Sam Neill as Riley Ace of Spies, who, was the, uh, who, who started British intelligence around the turn of the century, uh, when it was called SD-1. And uh, when the Bolsheviks took over Russia, there was a, a, a group that was called the Trust. And the Trust sucked in Andrew Carnegie. It sucked in Henry Ford. It sucked in all the people that were funding the anti-communist movement to overthrow Stalin. I mean, they, they eventually wound up funding Hitler because they, they saw him as the only alternative to being able to defeat Stalin. And Sidney Riley was the only guy that said, this is set up by Stalin. This is Felix Straczynski. This is the head of the Cheka of, of what later became the, the, uh, uh, the KGB. This is all fake. It's all fake. And he risked his life because he went in. He met with these guys uh, of the trust. He then said, I want train stations blown up. I want phone stations blown up. And I want Joseph Stalin assassinated. And Joseph Stalin lost his mind had him arrested. Uh, they sent him to Siberia where they eventually killed him. But his courage is the only thing that stopped the Soviets from being funded and possibly taking over the rest of Europe. And this thing that they're doing with the White Hats is exactly that. Because you know what they're telling you? Do nothing. Get your popcorn. Sit back. Enjoy the show. How, how many times have you heard that? Right. Yeah. And that's yeah. what they're doing. And they're complete idiots. Because by now, for the 2024 elections. We haven't fixed the election system. We haven't fixed the voting machines. Now Dominion is suing everybody. And here's what's weird. Fox is owned by BlackRock, which is owned by the Rothschilds, which is owned by, and and the, and the major right. stakeholders, also BlackRock, also owns Dominion. So what do they do? They're In suing a, themselves. Basically, <laughs> yeah. where, 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 where Dominion, where Fox is paying Dominion, so they're paying themselves, but in the mm. deal, they get rid of the most most vocal and most dangerous critic of Biden and everybody else. And guess who that is? Tucker Carlson. Right. And ding, it's, ding. It, it's interesting, though, um, like you said, why why film everything in a movie set? Why not be in the White House? Not why, why is everything set up like a like a movie set? Right. Why can't they operate as usual? Um these aren't normal operating procedures. So something is going on that doesn't make any sense. That's probably beyond anyone's knowledge who's on YouTube talking about it. Um, I think there's a lot, there's agendas and moves and counter moves, things change in the fog of war. And there's, you know, ET races involved. There's things happening that uh, I think that we just simply don't know about. And things don't make sense right now. And I think at any given moment, the timeline could change. And you know, maybe predictions that you might be certain about might even not come true because of another timeline shift. We don't know. 
Well, but your your police are being defunded, so the people have no protection, so they will demand a federal Gestapo. You're they're using blacks and crazy white people, mostly women, uh, who they've managed to successfully they they they've so attacked women in this country, and so devolved them, if you will, um, to the point of where they're the radicals now. They're they're the core of the new you know baby killing satanic. Uh, godless Democratic Party. Uh, you're watching George Soros because he knows the linchpin where he's funded all these district attorneys who are letting criminals get away with everything. Um, and again, it's everything that uh, Eldridge Cleaver said that they were going to do. Right. And this is why I think uh, Michelle Obama is going to play into their role. Uh, he, she, however it is you're going to work it. This is, why the, this is why the Democratic Convention is in Chicago. She's going to be the big hero. Uh, she's going to come in. She'll probably, you know, either have the influence of somebody like Dwayne Johnson uh, backing her up or, you know, whomever she chooses as her running mate. But she's on a book tour right now. Uh, again, Democratic Convention is in Chicago, which is Illinois, of course, as you guys know. Um, so it's going to be interesting and that they're using Biden as a, as a placeholder, really. Uh, and just keeping everything wide open for her to sweep swoop in and be the big hero. And then once again, you've got Obama, uh, you know, pulling the strings, you know, doing whatever he does with, you know, Mr. Charm. Mm -hmm. And it'll be interesting to see how it was funny because uh, uh, well, Putin and Obama, the joke goes, Putin and Obama are on the phone. And uh, Obama says, you know, look, Vladimir, we need to have a man-to-man -man conversation. And Putin goes, really? Then put Michelle on the phone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love it. Um uh, okay, so I want to start wrapping this up. I'm going to ask you one last question, just out of my pure curiosity. We were talking about the time travel and time in in general. What are your thoughts on why they're ending daylight savings time? Why is it why is it done in November? They already you know passed the bill or whatever, and it goes into effect November of this year. Why do you? Well, have I, think any they, I think they only passed it so so that Eisenhower could have more light to play golf. I mean, that's that's it. <laughs> and uh, again, if you're living on a farm. You know, the animals don't care what time it is. You know, they need to be fed at the same time. I think it's a I think it's a positive thing. I think the whole thing is a, is is an op. Me too. I, I think it's positive totally. that it's changing back. I just I to me, I feel like um, there was I think there was a reason that they initiated it in the first place. Um, Which is stupid. And by, and by the way, it was it was George Bush Jr. Uh, who changed time and actually put it back more. I think it used to be April right. or something. And then he right, but I don't. But you, February or something. You really believe it was just George and Eisenhower, and it wasn't some nefarious agenda behind all that. that no, it confuses. It, it, it once again, it confuses you. It, it messes with your sleep cycles. I mean, there's all kinds of everything it has is bad effects. So sure, sure. And you have Ted Cruz to thank for this, by the way, because he's the one that championed the bill. Uh, that I think is is nothing but positive to finally take us off this. Me too. It's it's interesting because the one place. They did not have daylight savings was uh, Arizona. And the reason yeah. for this is because when they were going to pass in Arizona, the Hopi elders actually, and grandfather Thomas Pinocchio was a good friend of mine. And they came to the, the legislature of Arizona and they said, they said only the white man would believe that you could cut off the top of a blanket and sew it on the bottom and make the blanket longer. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so yeah. Arizona didn't do it because the Indians so were true. Navajo and the Hopi were like, no, it's, that's great. It just makes the blanket longer and it's stupid. It doesn't. Right. 
So, but I think it just whacks out people. And I think it's a, I see it as a positive thing because it's really a return to, uh, to common sense. And I'm just praying to God that that's what happens in 2024. But people who think we're going to be able to vote our way out of what's happening. Right. It's not going to happen. It takes something major. Um, well, the only way, the only way again is, is you're going to have a secessionist movement. You're going to have Texas, you're going to have San Bernardino. You're going to have part of Oregon wanting to be part of Idaho. States starting um, to succeed, yeah. And if the collapse of the government comes the way I think it's going to happen, uh, you've got George Soros not only funding all of these all of these screwed up uh, attorney generals in all these cities and allowing crime to just run rampant and punishing no one and letting people out of prison where they're preying on the you know the weak and the defenseless. And why women aren't for guns is beyond me uh, i mean even that was like oh, we don't like guns well you know shut up it's the great equalizer you know if you have a gun in your purse so the challenge you're being is that is that he's funding ron DeSantis. so you, you've got to know that he's going to write ron DeSantis a, a hundred million dollar check like he did with barack obama uh if DeSantis manages to split the party if trump doesn't get it trump will run as an independent so you know, and the polls right now are running like crazy, but he runs as an independent on either the reform or the independent party. He splits the vote. And if you split the vote between DeSantis and Trump, then it doesn't matter who the Democrats run. They can run Michelle. They can run Gavin Newsom. Uh, they can run uh, Biden again. And he'll get in just by the fact that you now have a three party. You have a, a three party vote. Um, let me point out that in the years of Bill Clinton, uh, Bill Clinton because of third party candidates uh, in 92, he won with less than 42% of the vote. And in 96, he won with less than 46% of the vote. He never got a majority uh, uh, of the vote. So this is what they're going to do. And they're just going to count on the stupidity and Trump's arrogance and his just uh, complete penchant for just stepping on his own dick, as they say. Hmm. And, uh, uh, and if they're smart, DeSantis runs, he gets some notoriety, and he comes on as, as Trump's vice president. And then he runs in 2028 for president, and then they can control the presidency for 12 years if he's smart. But nobody has ever accused the Republicans of being smart. And the person they need to get rid of is Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell is the Trojan horse. He's the scumbag. He's the traitor. He's the Brutus within the, snake. the entire system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Within the entire yeah. system. And, that, and the turtle has screwed over more people and has screwed over you know everything that's good for America. His wife is Chinese for God's sake. She's she's the one that you know works for the Chinese communists, you know, uh, screw right. Eric Swalwell or you know the guy Contract who's wives, yeah. Fang Fang. Look at uh, you know look at uh, at uh, at the turtle. Right. So there you go. I mean if you if you want what's going to happen the election might be stolen so spectacularly and so arrogantly like they've done in Brazil. Uh, they still haven't fixed Pennsylvania, and uh, they've now allowed a bunch of uh, uh, of uh, Soros has now funded judges uh, in Pennsyl- in Pennsylvania to uh, you know, and they can because they vote their Supreme Court in, they can overturn election laws, they can do whatever. So it, it it's not the end. I mean, I think that the chaos is going to come, uh, and you want a real revolt and a real revolution. If Trump doesn't win, uh, people are going to go to the you know. Uh, they're going to go to the go to the walls. They're going to go to the guns. They're going to go to whatever. I mean, this is where it's going to get you know. And right. again, how, how will it play out? It'll play out with with massive movements of secession mm-hmm. by counties and states. And yeah. we still need to realize 
that local police are the last line of defense. You know, the bumper stickers, I used to have one on my car as support your local sheriff, where they're the last line of defense. And if you defund them, uh, that's it. We descend into chaos. And again, is Eldridge Cleaver going to be right? Did they make a, a black person president of the United States? Did they beat all of you into submission with the label of racist? And, oh, you have to vote for this person because otherwise you'd be racist. And you can't take action against black criminals because you're racist. It's people in the black communities that want these people locked up, for God's sakes. So, you know, just saying. Right. On the positive side, we're, we literally are at the beginning of a golden age. Uh, we literally are at the beginning of our minds coming together. Uh, you know, we're going to uh, artificial intelligence is going to be a problem, but we're going to revolt against it. It's going to be called the, the, the Butlerian Jihad. You're still looking at the uniting of a, of a grand caliphate of Islam, of all these Islamic nations all coming together against us. Uh, the end of the hegemony of the United States into the BRICS alliance. Uh, the end of the U.S. dollar, which is not going to be, or the Federal Reserve note, uh, which is not going to be good for us. They're going to try to collapse the, uh, the crypto markets to make it look like it's all a scam so the federal government can come in and take it over and have their own cryptocurrency. And when that happens, uh, and they can centrally control uh, crypto, that's just all bad. So I'm sorry I don't have more good news for you, but we'll see what happens in 2020. Well, the good news is, is that it's the beginning, the dawn of the golden age, whatever it looks like. Yes. The, the chaos ha must ensue. I mean, we have to go through the dark times to pull come out you know, on the other side. So everything oh. hidden is coming to light. It's coming to the surface. Right. So, the Maya had a had a motto for their civilization. You had the Greeks were know thyself. The Romans was to their own self be true. The motto of the great American civilization will be more is better. If I just said more is something, it'd be better. And the motto of the Mayans is all is one. Uh, life has purpose. God is love. That means all of us are connected together and with each other. Uh, if life has purpose, and that means that everything you do every day, if you wake up in the morning, you have some kind of purpose and fate. And if God is love, then that means the first thought at the beginning of the universe as we faded into existence was uh, the prima mobile of everything that has to do with God or the force or the vril uh, is all about love. We're brought into existence with love. Uh, our existence made better with love. And uh, if I could just get somebody to love me, I'd be a lot happier. Than that. <laughs> well, we love you. Thanks. We, we love, love you. you. And, we, and we thank you for everything that you're doing. And thank you thank for you. joining us. This was a lot of fun. I can't wait to release this. Um, hey, buy the books. Here's wait. Here's all the covers of the books. Here's the, uh, let me see. That's, Santa Time. I really, Santa Time sounds amazing. I really want to. Santa Time Volume One. This is where it starts. That's where the adventure begins. Santa Time Volume Two, with the unified field theory on the front, is uh, the continuation of that story. Uh, Santa Santa Time Volume Three, the Isomer Protocol, is about how we basically kick the aliens in the teeth and say, "Get off our planet! It's our place." Uh, then you have this one, which is uh, uh, there's Time Runner. Act one, which is how we use the time runner to do the things that we're doing. Time runner, act two. There's a parabellum, which is kind of the beginning of the Sumerian War. And then I take an interlude for the real Dahman diaries because I had this diary and I thought, let me do it between these wars. And then the very last book, this hasn't been published yet, Sands of Time, uh, act three, the Sumerian War. And this one, then the one after this is the Draco War. And that could be two books. But uh, you get them all on Strange Universe Radio. Just think Strange Universe Radio. And uh, on Amazon, they're all rated five-star. The reviews are like 
Rotten Tomatoes positive. And uh, oh, and by the way, you guys, one of the best movies I've seen in a long time. I went to go see Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three the other day in IMAX. I heard it was, I heard it was awesome. good. Yeah. One of the best. Movies I need to I've see that seen. still. Really great. So, I hear there's a lot of disclosure as a lot of movies. Um, yeah, ish. I mean, they deal with the high evolutionary and and uh, who's a great villain in the comic books, and uh, but it was one of the best movies I've I've ever seen. So uh, great, right up there with nice. Star Wars. So. And so the Sands of Time books and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Everybody needs to go see it. Thanks, guys. Right. Thanks yeah, for- thank you so much. Yeah, thank, um, you. thank you. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. We love you all. We can't wait to see you at the conference uh, just right around the corner. Um, it's not too late to grab a ticket. Journeytotruthcon.com. If you can't make it in person, buy a live stream pass and enjoy it from home. Uh, we love you all. Good night and have a great evening. There was a CIA director named William Colby who in the 1980s said, we'll know our disinformation campaigns are successful when everything the American people believe is fake. When we realize how powerful we are when we set our intentions and we realize that we aren't just this, we are just these multi-dimensional light beings and time is an illusion and you know, it's everything's a perception then you can go forward and backwards and and embody it and just pop out and go and do this work. You can do amazing things when we set the right intentions to do it. And I said, this is, this is us on this plane. You know, like that's what this is. We're going to the moon. And you say, this thing is a lot older than you think it is. And we've been going to the moon a long time, but I wrote on it. I knew that we went to the moon. And so I always knew there was a base on the moon from a young age. And our DNA is a complex, recording system of the history of the entire universe the history you know of of everything that not just this timeline that we know but multiple timelines of reality there are a total of nine different categories of planets uh, in the universe Uh, we people on earth we are living on a category one planet like elementary school students and the theobans they are living on a category nine planet like uh, college professors So they have been really guiding us throughout history. Teokum let us know that this facility under the Sandia Mountain is considered an information station for interstellar travelers coming to the planet. They tell us that their facility was retrofitted into the ancient tunnel system that already existed. And as far as the bending the space-time continuum, I've had something like that happen. And what seemed like about a five minute encounter has been four and a half hours of missing time. And I was completely conscious. And when you're dealing with a type three, type four, type five civilizations that can work with the different coexisting timelines, all bets are off, man. (laughs) (laughs) You know, every time we have Bigfoot activity out there, we're having ETs and orbs and stuff like that. We have a lot of this stuff documented. As a matter of fact, um, I'm a member of three different teams and I work with people from all over the country out in the field. And um, we actually have documented a portal, something that we consider to be a portal um, opening. And we sent two of our team members inside of it. And really? It disappeared and then came back out. I would suggest that we take it one step further and say humanity has never known who we are. We've always been in the thought control matrix. And one step further, perhaps we could say that we're in a conscious 
consciously controlled state of hypnosis. In other words, are the thought control matrix creators constantly bombarding us with frequencies that keep us from being telepathic, that keep us from remembering who we are? The thought control matrix was set up and we have never known our potential, our power, our yeah. beauty, our, our, our incredible connection. It makes no sense at all. There is no reason for it other than the programming that we've received for generations because it's all about order. It's all about listen to listen to your elders, listen to the teachers, listen to the adults, listen, listen, listen. And what that does is it, it, it dims the light of the child and it makes them feel like they don't have a voice. And why that's designed that way by the dark side and that's in the system is so that they grow up and they just listen to and they do what they're told and they're good little boys and good little girls and they lose their sense of self. They lose their north, their true north. Yeah. So many adults are walking around in, the, in this world. They don't know who they are. So the planet itself is now beginning to split. It's beginning to divide again into a higher vibrational earth and a lower vibrational earth and the race of man is dividing with it. And we're becoming less and less aware of one another. And over time, what will happen, and I don't know how long this will be, one world will have all higher vibrational beings on it, and the other one will all be third dimensional beings, and we will not perceive each other anymore.